that's just the Soviet Union anthem was coming on. Oh! Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry. Oh, baby. <laughs> How did you find that? <laughs> I just typed in Looney Tunes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is... I was even nailing the trills in my whistle. Google stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gio, Giaochino, Rosini. Giacomo. What's the Giao, name? Giaochino. Does it have a name? <laughs> the Barber of Seville. The Barber it of Seville. It had a name, Seville. and you didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't it's be a new idea. Will. Top comment. A lot of us kids grew <laughs> oh, no. up watching these cartoons and gained a greater appreciation of classical music because of them. Says Musical Guy 59. I think that's a biased comment a little bit. Yeah. It's a little. It's like, obviously, you would say that Musical Guy. This has got Roadrunner written all over it. Oh, uh, yeah. This is. This is um, trying to catch that bird. Reminds me of uh, Bugs Bunny with the weird big red monster. Uh, yeah, what yeah. What the yeah. hell was that thing in called? the castle? The, oh, like yeah. the reverse grimace. Yeah, 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 much. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was that one episode where he goes into the barber. Oh the my barber God, that was Seville. the barber of Seville. <laughs> there we go. And the barber cuts off all his hair and makes him look like a dude, and he's like, "What the fuck?" I just told you to take a little off the top. That was to this song. Probably. Musical guy, you were right. <laughs> Musical guy. Us kids. Oh, sorry, 39. Us <laughs> kids have a deeper appreciation now. Live from the studio, folks, my name is Jimmy Seleski. Merrick Glazer. And uh, we're coming at you. On a what is it today? Wednesday? Wednesday, Tuesday. I think it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Six thirty one, starting right on time. That was August thirtieth. August thirtieth. Uh last of the hot, hot August series. We're coming at you off of that smash hit from I wanna say seventeen. Let's go twenty-nine. Let's go seventeen twenty-nine greatest hits. The Barber of Seville. The overture. The overture. In F minor. They always had their key in that too. That was that. The, the titles have definitely changed over the years. Back mm-hmm. in the day, they started by numbering them. So it'd be like the third symphony. And you'd be like, oh yeah, I love that one. Yeah, I love that. They, and like, then they named music how like I save my project files on like Photoshop. Was <laughs> <laughs> to be like one, one v two. And then you'd get the album, and the third symphony was like track seven. You're like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> this is absolute bullshit. And then they started going to uh, naming the keys, which I guess I don't know why that would have been necessary. Well, because I guess if you're like printing out all the sheet music for people, you want to make sure they're all on the same page. True. I mean, you could put it just at like the in the music and be like, "Yo, this is obviously an F minor. Do I have to spell it out for you?" Mm. You know. But I guess they just no, did they it that did. way. They literally they did. They literally did have to spell it out for them, <laughs> dude. And then we went to uh, 
we're gonna skip three hundred years, mm-hmm. and 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 we're gonna go right, right to, on the couch. We got the sophomore boys. Yes, yes. John yes. Joe. Known titlers of music in the early two thousands, uh, emo bands used to do this thing where their song titles would be entire sentences, like True. you know, Panic at the Disco would be like. I run sins, not tragedy, and like, and then Fall Out Boy was like, "This is not a something. This is an arms race." And you're like, "Dude, mm-hmm. you didn't even say that in the, in the song at all, at all." And like Midwest emo and genres like that, sometimes the whole bands will have punctuation points and be like half sentences. The, the one that I always think of is a "Godspeed you!" exclamation point Black Emperor. Mm, that's the that's full good. fucking name. Yeah, that was when we got. That was when we jumped the shark with song titling. Absolutely. And now in this modern era that we call. 2023 uh we're real big on the lowercase lettering if you capitalize a letter in your song title you are a nerd apparently but i think it makes you kind of look like a poser honestly i genuinely do whenever i see somebody doing it, i'm like oh dude you just you just don't give a fuck bro it's like yeah i made this song whatever what am i supposed to press shift not doing that i hate it anyway <laughs> <laughs> As I was saying, uh, we are here with the band, sophomore, or my sister, oh, there we go, John Burkhart and Joe Niehaus. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you texted me to make this happen, because I didn't even think yes. about it. I didn't even think about it. I was like, dude, I got to do the podcast, and there's only one problem. You guys are also going to come to the studio. I have no solutions for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of good ideas. I see no workaround for this. <laughs> And you're here. Uh, we are on the precipice of some major developments. On the precipice of a blue moon tonight. Mm, yes. A super one. blue moon. Is that what's going to happen tonight? Yeah. What does that mean? It's not actually it's, blue. It's going to be blue. I the last it. time this happened was 2009. So mm. it's it's a pretty rare... Even though like every other week, like month, there's this new like super moon I've never heard about. Apparently, this one's rare. A super moon. Same year Avatar came out. I don't think that's a coincidence. Wow, uh, dude. Blue people, blue moons. Yeah, new moons. New moons happen. Oh well, yeah, they, they the figured time. that out in Twilight. Yeah, yeah, they're always <laughs> happening. New moons, full moons, but blue moons. That's something to think blue about. Blue moon. That's something to drink about. Uh, we have the band on once in a blue moon. Uh, not since I believe two thousand nine, right? Was is that where were. that saying comes from? Once in a blue moon, it's gotta, right? That would make sense. That, that makes to. so much sense. Oh, I thought you were joking. Yeah. Obviously, no. that's where it comes from, dude. <laughs> I mean, but I never expected the moon to go blue. Yeah, that's because it rarely happens. Yeah. So wow. once in a blue moon, you're like, whoa, dude, I'm I'm watching, you know, Seinfeld. Once this in a blue crazy. moon, and then this is crazy to me. How pleasantly unexpected. I thought that went without saying. Our Trusty <laughs> listeners, I thought you had all picked up on that. <laughs> I never put the two together. Wow, the two moon. Um, uh, we are coming off of, I believe we released our, I, I think we can still talk about our most recent release, Backtrack, only because um, we're still waiting for one particular playlist placement that will probably never occur. Uh, so shout out to Selvi Rao for stealing hundred dollars of our money selvi selvi that's their name yeah okay and also shouts out to dom seleski for saying dude you got to hit this playlist up <laughs> it's definitely not a scam yeah he was like she takes a while but she's like very lackadaisical so she took like three weeks to put my song up but once she did it's like still up there i'm like dom she's probably like 
Like I, I, I don't know. It's been four months for us. I four? can't. Four. Well, we released no. a song in April two thousand twenty-one. No, twenty-three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, April twenty twenty-three. Twentieth. Remember, it was a big deal. Four twenty. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and for two months, I was kind of like back and forth. Like I was not back and forth. I was just forth with her. I didn't get anything back. <laughs> mm. I just was forth with her, mm-hmm. and said, "Hey." was popping with that placement. Like she was, here's the thing, very responsive prior to the Then she got the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, (laughs) even that, it still took her like two weeks to get back to us. Like I hit her up and she was like, nothing. That's like the easiest $100 you can make. Yeah, but the thing is, it really really disappoints me because it's frustrating because I've always had this uh, problem with people who are scam-minded and I'm not... Here, here, I can say this comfortably now because even if she did place it, like even if she woke up tomorrow, I was like, oh shit, I forgot. And then place it. I'd still be like, well, f- what the hell? You know, like, you know, we want to get the song placed when it's a new release because it helps with the algorithm. You know, this could have been the difference between our current plays and a billion streams. We could be touring right now. We could be. So thanks, Selvi. I appreciate that. <laughs> and your playlist, songs that will definitely put you to sleep is uh, mm-hmm. what this playlist is called. In all oh. lowercase, mind you period so she can she can do that but it bugs I me mean, when, maybe it's a compliment that you didn't get added to that playlist yeah maybe she listened to it got the hundred bucks and she's like i haven't slept a wink <laughs> <laughs> i heard this new release from sophomore now you're backtracking a little bit huh? <laughs> yeah i guess i am backtracking a little bit but i i mean okay so there's two ways of going about it either you are a conniving schemer at which point that goes without saying that's like that's why would you do that but even so, regardless, whether it's incompetence or, or malice, I've never understood how people can have a thing that could very easily be a cash cow making thing. Like you have a playlist that has millions of followers and people are obviously clamoring to submit to your playlist. All you have to do is just not fuck them over. And you can perpetually make money because we're going to hit you up every time if you actually place us and we get good results. We're going to hit you up every time. I used to have this issue when people would like go through the neighborhoods because um, I, I mowed lawns when I was younger. Uh, and and then there would be these other kids that would go through like when the snow was shoveling. They'd go to the doors. They'd get the money from the people and then just not shovel the snow. And then the, the neighbor people would be like, damn, I got scammed. But it's like I'm looking at those kids and I'm like, why would you do that? Because now, okay, you made that 20 bucks now, but this is an entire block that you'll never be able to make money from again. You're thinking too short term, dog. You make this 20 bucks now, you do the work now, next snowstorm, maybe two weeks later, you get another 20 bucks. If you're mowing someone's lawn, you do that. It's like, so I don't understand how, you know, even if she is a schemer, it's like, damn, like you're kind of, you're fuck. It's so easy to just place the song, you know? It's not only like I have to do any work. So I don't know. Um, I, I just, I, I didn't know what to say for like three months. And then finally I just, the other night I just sent her a picture of my face looking disappointed. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to be like, Hey, because here's the other thing that when you get caught in this situation, I never want to offend people. And so I always have to play dumb to the point of actually being dumb. Like I still haven't been able to bring myself to be like, fuck you. You totally scammed us. <clears throat> I still have to act like this is just one big misunderstanding. You know, you know, when you like want somebody to do something, but you also don't want to seem like a dick. So you're like, 
you know, somebody owes you money, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that hundred. And you have to act like you don't think that they're trying to fuck you over, even though they obviously are trying to fuck you over. Mm -hmm. So I just figured the, 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 the selfie, the disappointed selfie is probably the best play there. That's like an action speak louder than words. It is. And you're it showing is. it. Cause I, and I, I, I'm not going to lie. I took it about 17 times, not even exaggerating, because I wanted to encapsulate. <laughs> I wanted to encapsulate the just wasn't perfect right. expression. Yeah. The perfect expression that conveys both disappointment, but apathy, unbotheredness, yet sorrow, anger, yet Acceptance. Acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe <laughs> that when you see this selfie, and when she sees this selfie, she might place the song. Mm. What's her name? Is her name Selfie? No, her name is Selvi. 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 What if she takes offense to the selfie? Mm, that would she be true. You're mocking I'm like uh, appropriating her name. Mm -hmm. That's my culture. I'm literally named Selfie. Yeah. I got sorry. Sorry, speaking of scams, another guy hit us up. Um, we're in that weird uh, kind of uh, uh, phase where we're like, we, people are finding us on Instagram and message, messaging us, but they're all fake people. Mm -hmm. That's always the fun. They're not all fake people. Some of them are real, but the ones that are promising are fake. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> the promising leads are always too good to be true. And this guy named uh, Rosh Rishi hit us up. He is the founder of Hot New Hip Hop. Ooh. And this, this bugged me more than the Selvi thing, honestly. Because I reached out to Selvi. I set myself up to being scammed. I said, hey, hi, my name is Jimmy Selesky. I'm in this band called Sophomore. Would you like to fuck us over? And she was like, sure. Sure, I guess I'll fuck you over. Just don't do it on my time. <laughs> this guy reached out to me. And was like, hey, I'm definitely not going to fuck you over. My name is Rosh Rishi. <laughs> and I was like, Rosh, you got yourself a goddamn deal. <laughs> and uh, he was like, yo, I really fuck with the music fam. I was like, dude, now fucking cool black guys like our music. This is sick. And so I was like, all right, yeah, thanks, fam. Um, so and he was like, I want to do an article on you guys. And I was like, word, word. And he was like, yeah. So just send me this, send me that. Didn't even mention money at all, which is, I thought was like both odd and even. Like not, it was like, it was like odd, but then I was like, maybe he just really fucks with the music. I don't know. And so he has me do this thing and he's like hounding me. Cause I'm, this is like during my birthday era of my life. This is my birthday week, week. We're talking 10 days ago. We're talking 10 days ago. <laughs> this is a different time. Yeah, yeah. It's a different time. Yeah. All right. Eon ago. Eons yeah. ago. It was my birthday. And he's like messaging me on my birthday going like, yo, send me some promo pics. Yo, type out a little mini bio. And I was like, all right, fine. fine. Bro, are you writing the article or am I? Dude, this is, <laughs> I think we could easily get in the article business because apparently most of it is just making people write articles about themselves for you. Yeah, yeah. that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And so uh, he goes, uh, so I finally sent him, I, I was like putting it off and I was feeling guilty because I was like, dude, this fucking guy really wants to write an article about us. Rosh. And now I'm brushing him off. What? Because it's my birthday. So I get back to him. I'm like, hey, man, this is a story all about how. And I'm going through the whole history of the band. He said mini bio. I gave him a bio bio. Yeah, 
mega bio. Yeah, when he he all he has he doesn't even have to copy and paste. He has to like delete things and then copy and paste. Now at this point, and so uh, then he gets back to me a day later. I, I, I knew something was up because whenever I would take like more than a day to respond, he just send me hello with a waving hand. I was like, this is obviously not normal. And then that day he goes, hell yeah. Just, I feel like I should let you know though, uh, the editors are going to have to charge a hundred dollars for, uh, doing the article. If it was up to me, I wouldn't charge you a dollar, but it's just what the editors want. And I was like, you son of a gun. Insane. You absolute. And, uh, yeah, so I, I, I kind of let it go for like two days. I was like, I'm just not going to respond. But because the thing is, it's like I wouldn't mind paying for promotion. We pay for promotion all the time. Sometimes we don't even get promoted. We just pay for it. You know, we pay <laughs> for promotion. Yeah. It doesn't even necessarily have to promote anything, you know. And now I have another guy on Instagram trying to get another $100 out of me, dude. That seems to be the going rate for scammers. They always want $100. Mm-hmm. They always want $100. Because it is like, it's a lot of money, but also it's not. You know what I mean? So it's like that makes sense as a rate. Yeah. But also at the same time, it's like if a hundred dollars landed in your lap right now, you'd be like, "Fuck yeah." Yeah, but if a hundred dollars like fell out of my uh, like the thing is, I'm way more bummed about losing a hundred dollars than I am making a hundred dollars. But that's just Mm -hmm. because human nature negativity bias, you know. Yeah. Um, but I'm way less bummed when it's the three of us combined a hundred dollars. In reality, we all lost thirty three bucks. You know, so it's like whatever, dude. I lose thirty three bucks all the time. I'm losing. You lost thirty four. We lost thirty three. <laughs> Are you majority owner? We'll see what the ten ninety nines have to say about that. You'll see in your mail expense reports. Thirty two. That son of a bitch. Um. So then I was gonna type him out. I was gonna let him know how I felt because now I'm out of my birthday year. I'm thirty one. Mm-hmm. I don't like. You're a man. Now. I was a man, and I was like, dude. I'm tired of getting hustled in this game. I'm going to fucking tell this guy. I said, really wish you would have told me that up front, man. Because, you know, I don't mind paying for promotion, but that's the kind of thing that gets discussed up front and not two weeks in. And uh, I'm not accusing you of being purposely misleading, but that's how it comes off. So I just thought you should know that. And then five hours later, I got anxiety and unsent it. You unsent it? No. But, but... That's 30-year-old activity. Listen. You're a bitch, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Listen. The reason I unsent it was because on the off chance that this guy really was a genuine guy and just didn't know how to do his shit, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. That's just bad business, though. But also, like, did you look up this website? Did you look up to see if Rosh was even employed there? I did. And so I clicked the link in his bio, and this is where the story gets dark. Mm. I clicked the link in his bio, and I see it's linked to a guy named Rosh Risky with a K, not an H. Wait, Ross or Rosh? Rosh, R-O-S-H. Risky. Oh. But it was Rosh Rishi before? I was being DM'd by Rosh Rishi. Mm. <laughs> and so I went and I searched for Rosh Risky on Instagram and I found the, a guy the who is one. the founder of Hot New Hip Hop. Oh my 
notable God. guy who did not DM us. This is giving me anxiety. Notable guy who probably doesn't have to answer to his editors of the website he probably yeah, I owns. I own the company, but the editors are really on my balls. They're counting me for a hundred bucks. Rush Risky would have paid you a hundred dollars to stop DMing him. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I, I I found him and I was like, okay. So then I DM'd Rosh Risky and I said, yo, is this guy you? Because he's been DMing me. And uh, Rosh hasn't gotten back to me, which makes me know that that's the real Rosh. Yeah. Because the real founder of Hot New Hip Hop would not DM me back. It's not going to be like, hello, waving hand emoji. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hello, I'm the founder of Hot New Hip Hop, and I'm just dying for Sophomore's mini bio. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So two leads down the drain. Are you going to resend that DM now? No, because it's obviously like a Russian bot or something. (laughs) It's obviously Russian. It, it's just it just it boggles it, it <laughs> Russian, <laughs> Russian bot. They're getting good, man. I mean, look. Obviously, when I wouldn't have sent money, but like I did believe this guy for like two weeks. Oh yeah, he catfished me, kind. I mean, that no. is he catfished. Well, like me. any any industry where it's like based around people's dreams and ambitions, those are the biggest you know areas that people try to scam. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the good thing about being 31 is I don't really have dreams anymore. I Mm. just have ambitions. Mm. Dreams is a young guy thing. I think Mm -hmm. dreams are like, oh, one day I'm going to do that. And then when you're 31, ambition is just like, why the fuck am I not doing this yet? This is bullshit. You stop dreaming. You're just like, that's true. You know, it's not like a it's it's more like a pragmatic thing. The approach to success when you get older becomes much more tangible and less about like this, like, like, uh, you know, enigmatic idea of success. Mm-hmm. Now it's just, Joe. Yeah. Joe. Joe still has dreams. <laughs> yeah. It's worse. Still in the, he's still in Dreamville. <laughs> they're, they're going down little by little each year. I just turned 25, which is very different from 24 and 23. I, I've been telling people it's like... Uh, Get on it, the mic a little bit. You turn 23 and you're like, wow, I have my whole life ahead of me. And then you turn 25 and it's like, I'm going to die someday. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> those, are the, those are the ages. The, the quarter life crisis is made up. It's definitely not a thing. Um, although I did experience it, so I'm going to take that back. I experienced I it's it. Real. It's definitely. I don't think the quarter life crisis is I think an it age. Comes more. I, th- I think. It's I feel like the mindset. 27 club isn't shouldn't be the death thing anymore. It should be. All right, now you're. Now you're thinking about death for real. Yeah, you're like death really could happen. Death could happen. <laughs> like I, you know, it, it's. I, I think that the, with the quarter life crisis is much more about like. I think everybody comes to at their own age. I think the, the big ages, like 30 was supposedly supposed to be like a big age, but I don't know. Once you're in your late 20s, it was just, I already felt like you're pretty much 30 when you talk to anybody who's in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. Like as far as anybody who's 21 is concerned, a 29-year-old is 30. It doesn't fucking, they don't it make doesn't a fucking difference. It's you know? all the same. But the great thing about once you cross into your 30s is age literally doesn't matter anymore. It's not mm-hmm. a thing anymore. All the things you learn. I mean, for some things, it matters. <laughs> well, for some things. Age is just a number now, bro. This podcast <laughs> is brought to you by Dan Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> and not the football one. Certainly not the owner of the... <laughs> I mean, both are The bad, not Redskins. Dude. It's <laughs> yeah. a lose-lose situation right there. <laughs> yeah, dude. You're, you're definitely setting your kid up for failure when you name Dan Schneider. You flip that coin and you hope it lands right up. You don't even want it to land on either side. <laughs> no, but it's like, uh, you know, I think that obviously, you know, when you're in high school, the one year difference is huge. 
Like I remember be, mm-hmm. it being a big deal. Oh, when oh, you yeah. were, if you're like a junior and you date a senior or whatever. Oh yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people thought that's you were a big a deal. Cradle robber. That's a yeah. huge deal. Yeah. Or like when seniors started to date freshmen, I was like, dude, you're uh, that's, weird. Yeah, no. That was the, that's that's that was, I kind of feel like. That was definitely my line. That was the, not that I was dating anybody, but my line of judging other people. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wasn't me. Couldn't have been me. It literally could literally, not have been me. Mathematically couldn't have been us. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the numbers, really, <laughs> it wasn't happening. <laughs> um, but when I was judging other people from afar, one of the coping mechanisms I would use to justify my own lack of ass was noting that a senior was dating a freshman. I was like... Pfft. I'd rather fuck nobody than a freshman. <laughs> Living the dream. I'm gonna continue fucking nobody. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm actually not fucking because I'm a good person. I'm like Gandhi in a way. <laughs> <laughs> that was a deep cut. That was a deep cut, dude. That was a deep, deep cut. But uh, yeah, so those are all things that are real. Lack of dreams. Increase in ambition. I had a couple things I wanted to touch upon. Obviously, the the elephant in the room, for those of you who don't know about John Burkhart's live life, you're moving to Nashville, bro. I'm moving to Nashville mm-hmm. at the end of next month. I'm going there wow. this weekend. That's crazy. Set or Friday, and we're nice. gonna get stuff from Target. But we're moving to... That's one of my favorite things to do in Nashville when I go there. Go to get Target. stuff from Target? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, you've never been to a Target. Like, you've been in Nashville. Oh, yeah. It is the Target. Oh. It's great. It's the only Target. So what are you guys getting? <laughs> Just, like, the stuff that, you know, you get when you move. I haven't moved in so long, but I imagine trash like a toilet bags. brush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, you got to get a toilet brush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like peanut Shower butter curtain. and jelly. Um, peanut butter and jelly. Beer. Yeah. Beer. They have okay. beer at uh, grocery stores down there. Paper they have gro- they have beer everywhere but in in fucking Maryland. The, the mm-hmm. initial round of purchases when moving into a place says a lot about a person. And I think that um, I, I, I can't imagine. First of all, also the stuff you take with you when you leave says a lot about a person. Am I driving? If I'm you, am I driving down to Nashville with my toilet brush in my car, or am I just getting Absolutely a new not. fucking toilet brush? That's going down. Oh, yeah, that's going in the trash. I mean, but there are people that would do that. They'd be like, "This is a perperfectly good toilet brush." Oh, I would absolutely yeah, clean the toilet this brush. Out. Absolutely, I keep all that thing. I hate no, buying no. new stuff. I hate having that's to crazy. throw it away. I, I hate having to buy it again. New toilet, <laughs> new toilet, new me. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm like, I'll let the next tenant clean up after my dirty brush. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have to use a toilet brush brush. Um, so you got beer. That's a, that's a good that's a good mark in the right category. That means you're cool, I think. Well, I figure, you know, we'll get beer and we'll leave it in the fridge there. So when we get it'll there, be super cold. Yeah, there will be cold. it won't be warm hot beer. Yeah, it'll be cold. That's be awesome, cold dude. You're planning out your cold beer two weeks in advance. Two weeks of chilling. Yeah, maybe I'll throw a pack of hot dogs in there. Is that there why you you're moving? You just want the really cold beer? Yeah, you yes. got cold <laughs> beer down there, dude. I was thinking, how far do I have to go to get the coldest beer? <laughs> how expensive do I need to make this beer? <laughs> so, uh, so with the move to Nashville, I guess did you guys kind of bat back and forth on different, uh, you know, locations, or was Nashville pretty much it? Was that like where you're gone? So, our so my wife's number one city was Charlotte. She loves Charlotte. Okay. Very cool city. Very clean. Both very white. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Very. Um, 
Sure. <laughs> That's, you know. Hey, these are, Jimmy, can we run wrong. the demographics on that? Can yeah. Get the, the lineup of Charlotte. Charlotte. We'll, we'll run the facts after the episode. But they uh, do have the only uh, black owner in the NBA. Michael Jordan owns the Charlotte Bobcats. Not mm-hmm. anymore. He just sold it, didn't he? Oh, he probably thought this was think too part. Wide. I think he's still partially an owner, potentially. Oh, okay. Well, that's a major... If he's still partially an owner, then I'm going to make you redact your claim. All I know is that he <laughs> I mean, bought I, it for a couple uh, mil and then sold it and made like a couple bill. Mm-hmm. Like The dude is just swimming in it. He's making deals. Oh, yeah. yeah he's okay. wheeling and dealing. All right. Um, But yeah, Charlotte was probably the number one city. And then Nashville was like a happy medium where it was still south. Uh, and it had the music scene for me because Charlotte, when I asked people about it, like while I was down there, I got like a bunch of weird mixed, uh, answers about it. Like this one guy was in like a reggae band and he was like, yeah, we play Charlotte every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And then we play all these other gigs around Charlotte. And I was like, it doesn't sound all that fun to me. I'd rather go where they have bands on each level of the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Makes sense. Nash. Have you ever been in Nashville, Joe? No, that's why I'm glad John's moving there. Yeah, he okay. will. He will, and he's got a place to stay. <laughs> it's 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 honestly mine. It is crazy how committed they are to the whole music thing mm-hmm. down there. Yeah. It's like multiple bands, like you said, like every floor of the bar has a different band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You Dude, did, they'll be in like your hotel lobby. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. like a band. Yeah. You told me one thing that uh, scared me a little bit, which is they're not big on breaks down there. And now I haven't stopped thinking about that. Dude, if you're going to take... So Jack O'Connell's down there, mm-hmm. and he plays bar gigs all the time. And I was asking him about it. I was like, yo, what's it like? And he gave me the rundown, and he was like, by the way, there are no breaks. If you if you take a break, you go take a quick piss break, and that's it. And it, when you take the break, maybe the rest of the band, the singer, does like an acoustic thing or whatever. But like, you go out, you take your piss, and you come right the fuck back. Or if the singer needs to take a piss, like, you play fucking YYZ or some shit mm-hmm. and like they go take a piss and they come back and then the rest like you a three hour gig is a three hour gig mm. for us a three hour gig is three 45 ish yeah. minute sets we started you know? 15 minutes late yeah. <laughs> and we take a 25 minute but break. the people fucking love it they, they love, love it people mm-hmm. love when you take breaks dude yeah i think it adds to the ambiance people want to like when you go on breaks that's that's when all the networking happens you're not making deals when you're playing music. That's when you're wheeling. Mm-hmm. Yep. When you're on your break, you're dealing. Ah, exactly. Missing the intermission. The you know? So, mm-hmm. so Nashville is just all about wheeling. Dude, nothing it's crazy. to do with dealing. Yeah, I was I was talking to my buddy uh, Zoltan, and he was telling me the same. He's thing. He's named after the symbols. Oh, big time. Oh, good. Z- <laughs> ZT Zoltan. Uh, Did and he give you your fortune? That sounds like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I met him. Yeah, I met him on the boardwalk. He does sound like a mage, like a high elf. <laughs> yeah. He's, He's a, a wizard. To him. <laughs> and he was saying the same thing, but he was like, there's certain clubs that, you know, it's not like, I feel like in Fell's Point, there's a pretty like standard rate. Like, yeah. it, you know, it's like 150 a man, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, but down there, it, it'll vary. And like, some, like, he was, some of the gigs, like, it's you play three hours at every gig, but like some of the gigs they have a good guarantee, some of them are bad. Like it all just varies. It depends on the the bar or where you're playing. It's just like you kind you and you just roll the dice with like your tips and like the people you play with and the bar, like the way the bars run. Yeah, the tips thing is a big thing too, because like having to like 
actively solicit the tips would kind of eat me up a little bit. I hate when people. It's tough. I hate when people ask for money, but you kind of have to do it in like a cool way. I think there's like ways that you get used to down there, but definitely it's just like the. Diff- it's interesting to see how like different markets. Obviously, Nashville is a situation where the supply of music is so prevalent mm-hmm. that the demand is like, dude, literally, literally, if you don't like this price, there are forty five hundred other people that would play here, mm-hmm. like this shift. Yeah. So you have like no leverage as a musician, which is kind of uh, crazy. If there's any city that I would uh, see a union working, it would be not that I'm like pitching a musician's union in Nashville. They do have one. Oh, they do? Yeah, I got paid by it. Oh, when I played the CMA Fest, they hmm. pay you. And they out. didn't include yeah. breaks in their in their rider? No. I mean, we that was, you know, we only played 30 minutes, but. Okay. You know. And is there no crying break? time included <laughs> yeah. in that? No yeah, crying. <laughs> There's no crying on stage. Absolutely no crying. You in get Nashville. on, you tough it the fuck out, and you get the fuck off, mm-hmm. and wow, then you dude. cry elsewhere. When I chair the Nashville Musicians Union, I'm fighting for uh, three 20 to 40 minute breaks per four hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jimmy's gig. <laughs> You're just a part of it. <laughs> as far as the uh, tipping goes, if it's anything like New Orleans, I imagine there's like a culture of tipping there where you know it's a, it's a city where a lot of tourists coming to see musicians and as such they'll kind of pay accordingly on their own accord like i i paid a lot of money to musicians when i was in new orleans yeah. just because yeah. you're just a musician I though i know yeah i was gonna mention that and i'm super biased in that respect but you forgot to mention that didn't you yeah i guess <laughs> that's <laughs> a know, pretty big piece of puzzle musical guy 39 <laughs> <laughs> this guy's doing like a ray charles larp and uh <laughs> and i go up and i go it's fucking 20 dollars and then i put it in the bucket and i lean in there's like 30 more of those in there yeah, yeah. pretended he didn't see it, you're like wow you are really in character bro <laughs> like for us we have to play at the fucking valley end to get good tips mm-hmm. if we play cnr people will be like oh here's a tip and they give us like a dollar yeah or a, a shot oh yeah well shots aren't you know i'll take a shot shots should be <laughs> redeemable for uh i don't know maybe for i like, mean yeah they're like tickets in an arcade that's kind of like what yeah you take it back to the bar and you get like a teddy bear for it yeah, or like three skittles yeah <laughs> Here's a mini Snickers bar. Yeah. It's pretty weak trade-in value. It is. It a is a bunch of jacks. It is kind of crazy because you know when I when I go through my my Lenten period during the Greek Holy Week, I make a effort usually every year to not drink during those days. Um, but it's it's not it's not possible when for you're me playing. at least. Sure, because so much of the culture is you're you're in a bar. Yeah, and. Like it or not, I have this same issue when bartenders don't drink. There's a certain thing about it where it's like you want to feel like you're partying with someone and not like you're being like, you don't want to feel like the bartender's working when you see him. You want to feel like the bartender's chilling with you. Yeah. You don't want to feel like when you watch a band that they're doing a job. You want to feel like they're just jamming. And when like, you're in a bar environment, which is obviously a drinking environment. That's why it's there. And like somebody comes up to you with a shot and you should be like, no, nah, no, thanks, man. I'll stick with my water. And you're like, I don't know. There's a, there's a, it's a bummer. It is a bummer. As from, I, I think that a lot of people, I think a lot of people would agree with me when I say that when you buy a shot for the band and they're like, no, nah, no, thanks. It, it's like rejection a little bit. It's like, no, nah, I would even, it, especially if they're already drinking too. Cause then they're like, no, nah, I would buy a shot. Just not from fucking you. You know, do you yeah. disagree? 
Wait, you're talking what if you about you do a system where every hour on the hour you schedule a drink and a shot to be sent to you and you just play it off like someone is buying you those. And then when you talk on the microphone, you can say, "Hey, if you guys want to support the band, send us some drinks, send them to the stage." And then when they go to buy the drink, it's really just put on a tab to pay out to you guys at the end of the night. Oh, snap. I don't get it. I mean, it's I explain it to me I like I'm seven. That sim- that <laughs> so basically, like, um, like you already have, let's say you're playing from, you know, four to seven. Yeah. At five and six and seven, you have the bartender bring you out drinks. Yeah. As a standard. Yeah. But then while you're playing, be like, hey, if you guys want to support the band, send a shot to the stage, send a drink to the stage, da 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 da. When they go to the bar, the bartender knows not to actually do that. You have your scheduled drinks coming out to you anyway. But he still takes but the money. But he still takes the money. And that's oh. and then all Dude, that that's money genius, honestly. just gets put into a pile and then paid out to you guys at the end of the night. Well, it'd have to be cash. Right? It'd have to be cash, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or they just like you know make something on the like point of sale shit where it's like you yeah. Know, Jimmy's like fake shots. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be a great plan, but if you ever got found out about that, that's yeah. a cancelable It's offense. a scheme. But how would you? Uh, somebody would find out. A nah. disgruntled bartender would be nah. sitting there. Nah, a bartender dude. from the horse would be down at Admiral's Cup like, yeah, I got fired from a horse last night. And then like something would come up and be like, yeah, yeah fucking Jimmy Celeste. Dude, that guy hasn't drank a shot in three years. <laughs> you know what he fucking does? You know what he fucking does? And everybody's be like, no fucking way. It's going to get out. It's going to be a whole thing. It's going to be somehow like... <laughs> the Baltimore banners later. Yeah. Honestly. Ed, Ed doesn't drink. What drink you Red should Bull. do. Jimmy, huh? Is, you know how you used to have your whiskey bottle? Oh, yes. What if you have an empty bottle behind the bar, and when people buy you a shot, they just pour it into the bottle until it fills up, <laughs> and then you get to get a free bottle of whiskey? See, these are amazing ideas. These are ideas that only a guy who doesn't actually want to drink all that would, would come up with, whereas me, I was trying to pretend like I don't want to drink, and it's just such a massive inconvenience <laughs> that I haven't really bothered to think this hard about it. I'm like, yeah, it really, it really bugs me that I have to drink all the time at these gigs. <laughs> And then Eric, with like five seconds to think, he's like, well, here's a bunch of solutions. I was like, what? No, dude. No, I'll just drink. I'll just drink. (laughs) It's way easier to just drink. I don't want to be rude. (laughs) I have to violate my covenant with God for these people. (laughs) I'd hate to be rude. (laughs) Um, Yes, but speaking of traveling, this is something that I I, I feel the need to discuss. And and we, we, you know, as a band, we've we've had many... uh, disagreements i'm hoping that this is not one of them i hope that we all see i, I hope I, it is i'm ready to fight dude. It, it, yeah wouldn't Let's it be boring if i just said this one. and you guys are like <laughs> oh we agree yeah, right. absolutely i'm just like all right we'll be right back after these short messages <laughs> there goes 30 minutes of the podcast um we're talking about driving we're talking about traveling uh i drove to ocean city over uh the weekend kind of last week and I think that as a society, we need to finally come to a true referendum on the passing lane and and the actual etiquette that is involved with it. Because I think there's a lot of folklore about the fast lane and passing lane that doesn't actually apply in real world driving. And I think that some people are really fucking annoying about it. Myself, personally, I think it's a bunch of fucking hoopla that like, you only use the fast lane when you're passing and you only pass to your left. I think that's dumb. Um, I think that in reality, it's like if you're going fast, obviously 
you go in the fast lane. Yeah. Yeah. What's I, the song? What's the song by the Eagles? Life, life in, the, in the past. No, it's not. It's life, life in the fucking the fast, fast lane, lane, baby. So when I'm driving, <laughs> <laughs> when I'm driving, this is what really gets me because a lot of other people have this idea where it's like, well, as long as I'm going faster than anyone else, it's everyone else's job to get out of my way. I disagree. My rule for the passing lane is if I'm in the pa- if I'm in the fast lane. Do you just look at your notes? Did you forget your role? No, I know what my role is. Dude. Okay, I saw you glance. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making it up right on now. the spot. <laughs> <laughs> this is where all my ideas come from. <laughs> That's a good right. one. <laughs> Your ass is behind you, Jim. <laughs> uh, my general rule, and it, it's uh, the reason I got to think about it, because I've never actually expressed it outwardly in words. Um, probably I have, but if I'm in the fast lane and I'm already going ten miles over the speed limit, and you want to go faster than that, and you're tailing me behind me with your fucking headlights on. You can go around because in order mm-hmm. for you to go mm-hmm. faster than me, you already have to break the law. So I'm supposed to believe that simultaneously you're this, uh, you know, stickler for the law. Well, you know, technically, if you're in the passing lane, you're not supposed to be riding it. But also, I'm going to go 30 over. Can't have it both ways, buddy. You're either going to be the guy who's speeding or you're going to be the guy who is obeying every single traffic rule. You don't get to speed as fast as you want and then come up on me who's already doing 80 in a 65 and then follow me for fucking three miles beeping what is, first of all i want to know what is going through those people's minds when they're driving do they legitimately feel like there's like there's seven billion people on the fucking planet and all i have to do for everyone to simply get out of my way is just go faster you what are you fucking moses you're just, i'm just gonna hit the gas and it's everyone's fucking job to just park Cause I want to go fast, dude. No. If I'm in the fast lane and I'm not doing ten over, I'll move. Cause there are times when I do that. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times when I'm not speeding. Just believe paying, it or like not. not paying attention. Yeah, yeah, I do that all the time. I look down and I'm accidentally just going the speed lane. I'm like, Jesus, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <Just> obeying the law. <laughs> accidentally, of course. Super weird. <laughs> Wasn't paying attention. I wound up accidentally being safe. Um. So I, I, I just, it's one of those things where. I think in every state, and and it's a thing that you notice that like it's in Virginia and Pennsylvania they're the fucking worst. I genuinely believe that Pennsylvania drivers are the worst. And I agree. They fucking suck, dude, and they are notorious for that. They are notorious for just tailing you. And it's like, what point are you trying to prove, man? I'm not moving. At a certain point, when somebody is doing that to you, it's almost like. I'm going to slow. I will slow down. Mm-hmm. I will hit the brakes. I will go slow. I came to a complete stop on 83 once. No, you did not. I swear to God. That's why. It was two in the morning. And this guy was, I think I was like 20, 22 at the time. And this guy was following me up 83. And there was nobody on the road. It was like two in the morning. I was coming home from a gig. Yeah. Two in the morning. Nobody's on the fucking road. And this guy is just right on my fucking ass. I'm already going fast. And he just won't let it go. He could so easily just this way. No, but he wanted me to do that. It had to be me that did it. Yeah. It, and now it's it, a dick measuring it literally, yeah. it literally couldn't be me, dude. It couldn't be me. So I just, I notice it and I slow. And then he's slowing and he's beeping and he's beeping and he's beeping. Dude, and that is slow, wild. Slow, <laughs> slow, oh my slow, God. slow, stop. 
Yeah. And then he goes around. <laughs> I mean, he probably thought you were drunk and thought the cops were pulling him over or pulling you over. In reverse? Pulling over in reverse. <laughs> I guess. Citizens arrest. <laughs> Citizens on patrol. That I always wondered, can you do can a cop pull you over in reverse? Like I always thought like if I thought that a cop saw me do something and he wanted to pull me over, that all I'd have to do is just get behind him. And then he's just like he wants to pull <laughs> me over and he's spot. like he's like, God damn it. And you'd see him put his lights on and I'm just like behind him, like, yeah, you better fucking get that guy. I don't know what some Mach know. five shit. He comes a complete stop and I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> so any any qualms with that no i think that's totally legit and i will say that i think it is regional not like state-based but when i was driving out um over the great plains where even at like peak traffic hours there just isn't that much through throughput um then it makes the most sense because at that point the 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 speed limit is like 85 or something yeah. stupid like yeah. that there's nothing there's no like suggestion as it is here about what the speed limit should be so everybody's just beaming it pretty much as fast as they can Mm -hmm. do so with decent gas mileage so at that point everybody's on the right side of the road anyway and if you want to be mr daredevil you can go around but as far as like maryland goes the beltway is just like listen whatever makes the most people move through these arteries these very clogged arteries the fastest makes the most sense we don't have enough lanes on 695 for one of them to just be the passing lane exactly they all need to be another will not make a damn a little bit of difference no another another lane is not gonna no no it never does there is no amount of lanes. Yeah. Um, I also don't even think about the passing rule of whatever. Nobody does. Unless I'm on like a road trip. Exactly. Like exactly. I'm not worrying about the passing lane when I'm driving to work. Like Mm-mm. that takes 15 minutes. But if I'm on, you know, when I was driving to Ohio, <coughs> of course I'm going to get out of the passing lane if someone's riding my ass. Because I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not pulling a stunt in another state and... Mm-hmm. I'm not risking getting fucked up for something stupid. Dude, getting pulled over in Virginia is hell. Yeah, it I is hell. It. I can't speak from personal whatever, but I've heard of people getting fucked. By, yeah, the uh, super small towns. And they'll yeah. be like, yeah, come to court this day, and then uh-huh. you don't show up, and then you're just fucked. I would like to invest in... First of all, I can't believe this is an invention. We came up with plenty of inventions. Uh, uh before the podcast, for instance, you know, for those of you who don't know, um, it's if anybody was worried that AI is eventually going to take over humanity, just know we invented that IA. We did in we invent we have not <laughs> <laughs> intelligence artificial. <laughs> um, that to this day you can't whistle a classical song into your phone and it'll be like, oh yeah, I got that. You can do that with a with a regular guy. Yeah. Even the most artificially unintelligent guy you find, you can be like, "Hey, you know that one?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah, do I know that one?" <laughs> Yet this fucking computer, this super hive mind, all of humanity's library of Babylon in a mm-hmm. chip, cannot seek, cannot process when I whistle an obvious tune. A looney tune. A looney tune. A literal looney tune. No abstract reasoning. No abstract Simple reasoning. manipulation. No common sense. And that's that's what being a human human is. Abstract reasoning. No common sense. And fucking just like little things like that. You know. It's like I remember my, my math teacher told me that in in middle school. He said, 
well, this is something everybody has said. But he said it first to me when I heard it. And he said, the calculator is only as smart as a person using it. Because so many people would just like be like, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, you have to know how to manipulate the calculator. You have to know what equations to plug in. Yeah, you have to put in 80080 or whatever, <laughs> five, to make it say boo. A calculator would never, <laughs> would never, abstract thinking, a baby. calculator would never think of that because it would be like, I don't understand why this is funny. What is boobs? <laughs> <laughs> even if, it, even if it did understand that like the numbers 80085 look like boobs, it would still be like, yes, I understand, but. Why is that funny? You'd be like, dude, you don't understand the metaphysical aspects of humor. It's funny because it's so stupid that it's not funny because it's funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Calculators don't get that. AI doesn't get humor. And nah, TIs especially don't really, get humor. Really bad. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. Because they, they're bad at coming up with things that are unexpected, which is what a lot of humor which comes is what from. Humor is. They're supposed to do like the next right thing. Uh-huh. At least the large language models are. There are different kinds of AI, but if the whole point of it is to do the most expected thing possible, yeah. So it's like it's the like algorithmic to what thing that makes purposes. the most sense. And it's like, well, dude, sorry, welcome yeah. to my world, baby. Yeah, the land of the free. <laughs> the land of the free. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that's that's that. Um, well, as predicted, I laid down such a valid fucking point that you guys have no, yeah, no, I've got no qualms, no marks, not really. We all, all I mean, I'll get out of the the way, just to like, I'll I'll just get get out out of the way way to get out of the way. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Uh, Eric, I agree with you. Sometimes it's not worth it, but at the same time, I feel like once you're 30, you like realize like oh i could just be fucking with the wrong one today but the Mm -hmm. thing is you also at the same like you you and i have gone back and forth about this before where it's like yes you you have more common sense when you age but at the same time you also start to feel more responsible for your surroundings like when i was a kid i would see stuff that was happening around me that was silly and i was like "Ah, the fucking adults better figure that out and now that i'm 31 when i see stupid shit happening around me i think Oh, the adults better figure that out. Oh, wait, I'm I'm one of the adults. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should help figure this out. And so there's an element of like, when I see shit going on around me that's obviously, obviously wrong, there's an element that's like, look, like this person is con- going to continue to be a douchebag. And if I could even throw the slightest little wrench in his douchebag day, just the slightest mm. little thing that might make him reflect and be like, hmm, why did that happen? Why did that guy do that? And then maybe... He'll go back and Google passing laws to prove me wrong. <laughs> and then he will find that I was wrong, that technically you're not supposed to be in the lane. But also, hopefully, AI is smart enough to also include, also, if you do what you did today, you're a fucking dick. And then he might think, you don't, you don't question yourself. You don't question uh, your path until you hit a roadblock. If, if it's always smooth sailing, you just keep going where you're going. I had to recalibrate my betting system the other week because I hit a losing streak. Now, the losing streak was natural because that's the inevitability of probability. You're going to hit losing streaks. But because I was hitting a losing streak, it made me kind of go back, find some stuff, and I found a couple things wrong with my equations, and I fixed them. That wouldn't have happened if I had kept winning. What would have kept happening if I had kept winning is I would have just kept on doing something that was ultimately the wrong way. So the only reason I even questioned it was because I hit a roadblock. And so I feel like sometimes you don't need to get in a fight. You don't need to fucking make a scene but i do have an issue with just allowing people to be fucking wrong 
all the fucking time. <laughs> and it's not even like, and, and this is coming from a person who, like we discussed, I always come from a place where I'm always questioning, am I, am I, am I the dick in this situation? I'm always wondering, like, I've never been one of the, I never use my car horn for that exact reason because very seldom am I so confident that I'm driving well that I can actually yell via my horn at another human being for their driving. Very seldom. I have to have all my boxes checked. That's not how a lot of people are. A lot of people are like, just assume that it's not even they think they're doing something right. It's just whatever you're doing is getting in the way of whatever I feel like doing right now. And therefore you're getting yelled at. And that's a lot of people. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to get in a fucking uh, street fight with a guy for tailing me, but I will slow down. I will slow down. I was at a place that I play at sometimes and it was, I remember when that place first start when that place first opened, the first thing I thought was, oh, it's opening day, they'll get their shit together, whatever. Now I play there, it's been open for two years. Dude, there was nobody in that. I played on a Monday night. There was nobody in this place. And yet people were walking in, sitting at tables, and just walking out because nobody was coming up to them. The bartenders oh. at the bar. Dude, it's this gigantic room. There's a server, there's a hostess. There's a bartender, there's a bar back, and there's a manager, and people were literally walking and sitting for 10 minutes and then just leaving. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm getting paid regardless, but just from the intangible standpoint of the situation, it is kind of grueling to play to nobody for four fucking straight hours. Yeah. And so if you guys could, I don't know, maybe just do your job, then it would make my night slightly more uh, tolerable, you know? And I'm looking at this hostess, and she's literally full on fate, two headphones, not one ear pod, not like I'm half invested in this job, two ear pods. First, she's watching wrestling. She's watching professional, like, like TNA wrestling, so, WWF. Yeah. Yes. Young women do that? Which honestly kind of, that was like a check in that. I was like, okay, I made a lot of assumptions about you. Yeah. This is not in my list. <laughs> Throw her a bone on that one. Yeah. I, I, I gave her that. Yeah. I gave her that. And even with that, she still ended up in the, in the red at the end of the night mm. with me. She's full on, two ear pods in, FaceTiming her friend for, for 45 minutes. The whole, my whole set, just sitting there like, yeah, fucking yeah. And then the fucking girl's like hitting her jewel. Like, yeah, tell her. I don't know what she was saying, but I imagine it was a lot of that. And, and so she's like that. And I'm looking at these guys sitting over there. The bartender's at the fucking bar just talking to these other two girls. She's like, yeah, you know, so basically, you know, I just work here. And like, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever. I basically <laughs> run this whole bar. Yeah, I mean, like, whatever. <laughs> and then, so I'm looking at that, and I'm sitting here, the only fucking douchebag in this whole place that's working, and I don't even work here. I'm the only person in this whole bar that's working. I'm sitting up here playing fucking Jack Johnson like an asshole, while the hostess is FaceTiming her friend, the bartender's talking to two girls at the bar and these two idiots and the only reason I let him go that long was because it was like two young fratty looking white dudes that were sitting at a table and I was like dude first of all that's a very weak move when two men go to a bar together you don't sit at a you don't sit at a table no, yeah. table you don't sit at that a is table. we can't face fuck. each other you almost deserve to not be helped I was kind of looking at them like, maybe maybe these bartenders are actually based as fuck. And they're like, I ain't helping these two fucking idiots. You come sit at the bar like grown men yeah. next to each other. Parallel to each other, looking out into the distance like two hunters on the savannah. Yes. And yes. you don't say a word you to each other. You don't look at each other. <laughs> when, you and I went, when you and I went to uh, McGurk's after we were double booked. Yeah, yeah. Did we get a fucking booth? 
Fuck no. We said, Did we at get the a bar. fucking booth and stare? I don't even think I made eye contact with you the whole fucking time. We sat next to each other like this. You sat here. We drank our beers. Multiple conversations. Maybe I looked at you like once. That's what men there do. There was a glance. There was glances. Yeah. Maybe it'd be like, you need another beer, how you're, you know, you're getting food, whatever, stuff like that. But that's <laughs> that's how you conduct yourself. So those guys kind of deserved it. The family of four didn't deserve it. There's a rule of three when it comes to going out to bars. If you have more than three people, a table is acceptable. But three people, you can sit at a bar with three people. Two people, definitely not. And one person, I worked in the service industry for, for several years. There's nothing more depressing than a one person sitting at a table. It's kind of cool and like mysterious when, when you sit at the bar as one guy. And as I get older, I kind of start to more and more enjoy it. I just kind of walk into a bar, yeah. sit alone at the bar, and people are just like, what's this guy's story? I have to know. <laughs> yeah. you know? I think he's a bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> you Is know, there's dog? <laughs> <laughs> their assumptions run wild. When you go rogue, when you, when you fly Dutch into a bar, dude, you you start people want to know, but like when you sit at a table, it's all the opposite thoughts. They're like, this guy's this He's guy's lonely. definitely yeah. this guy is not a bounty hunter. He might get be getting bounty hunted as we speak. <laughs> he is the prey. Maybe that guy at the bar is looking for this guy at the table. He's a prime target right now. I, w- I want to assassinate him. <laughs> Someone should. Um, but no. So eventually, it got to the point. Well, I'll, I'll let John take his piss here. Let's not sponsor. This this halfway point of the story is brought to you by Mick Ultra. Mick Ultra. Buy it and then start calling it MK Ultra. Yeah, hashtag MK Ultra. And see how much of a hit you become at your next party. Just start calling it that. There's got to be something quicker, though. Because you can't be like, yo, let me get an MK Ultra. Because then it sounds like you're trying too hard to like make it a thing. Mm. Um... You can't get the joke without saying the whole thing, though. There's got to be like a an intermediary between saying Michelob Ultra, and then there's MK Ultra. You could say like Mickey Ultra, but that just sounds like you're making fun of Irish Mick people. Ultra? Yeah, yeah. But then you're not gonna get it. Yeah, yeah. It's not. A, it's not a good bit. Unfortunately, I'm all for making fun of the Irish, but that's just not the way to do it. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's fine. We dropped our sponsor, so we're good. Who's our sponsor? Uh, MK Ultra. Oh, okay. the beer. MK Ultra. <laughs> the beer. Go on a run. Drink a beer. Only 99 calories. <laughs> Um, democratically elected government in Chile. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, finally, I see these guys sitting over there. And even I, as, as hateful as I am of their decision to sit alone at a table together, I started to feel bad for them. And in mid-song, I turned to the hostess and I said, excuse me. And the hostess said, yeah. So anyway, I was just like, yeah. And I was like, excuse me. And she's like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Because like, honestly, sometimes when they do that, I'm just like, you yeah, know, thanks. And, and you're like, like oh. doing this over the mic and the PA? No, no, no. I oh, okay. I, she, oh, okay, so oh, the hostess. I thought this was like from stage. Oh, no, well, it was from stage. I'm here, but the hostess stand is right next to me. So from she's standing stage, next to me the whole time. Gotcha, she's standing gotcha. next to me the whole time. So I just had to lean off the mic. I tried to get her attention twice, and finally I had to hit. I know I rarely have to do this. I had to hit the, the tap, the elbow tap. Excuse me. Oh. Excuse me. And then she looked. What? Attitude. Attitude. Well, she's Market trying to show down. off her friend on FaceTime. Yeah. She made sure I was in the camera, too. Like, wait, look at this. What? I was like, hi. Oh, she pulled you in frame? This no, old no, no. man oh, just okay. touched me. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. And then I go, um, 
I'm like, do they have a server? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, they do? And she was like, yeah. And then she just goes back to talking again. Those guys sit there for 10 more fucking minutes not talk to. And this is the thing. This is, this is why, this is why I, I, I joke about it a lot. But there's a sprinkle of truth to every joke. And when I say that sometimes I wish we could lower minimum wage. Yes, I'm joking. But no, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm not joking. I have never understood. And this, I'm glad you're on this podcast, Joe. Because this is a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah, I think they're lowering your percentage for the uh, <laughs> payouts. <laughs> Shit. I, when I was working at Seasons Pizza, I took a personal vested, uh, like, I, I don't want to say interest. An but oath. I, I, t- <laughs> I felt personally responsible for how that business was running while I was on the clock. Not necessarily because I had this like, you know, like goody two shoes, like, well, I'm on the job coach. What can I do next? But just because I was like, if I'm going to fucking be somewhere all day and this is going to be my income. Yeah. They're literally paying me to be here. I I might as well like try. Why would I not at least try to make it work a little bit? Like, wouldn't I make more money if people aren't walking out of the door instead of being served? Wouldn't that ultimately, wouldn't we get more business there and then I could become a bartender as opposed to a hostess FaceTiming, which she probably doesn't even want to fucking become a bartender. She probably just wants to have the job where you fucking Mm -hmm. FaceTime at the stand. But I've never understood this, like, it's kind of even in social situations, like, I've always kind of gotten, like, I get, like, secondhand embarrassment and anxiety really badly when I'm in, like, social situations and someone else is, like, being kind of weird. I feel like personal responsibility to kind of, like, make it not weird like i feel like i have to go out of my way to like like when they say something yeah. stupid i'm like yeah totally yeah i get which like should not make it have that awkward silence and there's a lot of people that'll just let it fall and be awkward but it's like well if i have to be in this room i'm gonna choose not to be in a weird room and i'm gonna do everything in my power to try to make this social situation bearable same way with jobs how do you sit there okay you're facetiming your friend you're not paying attention you're 21 years old you don't fucking give a shit you don't need the money whatever that's when you need the most money. But depending on your situation. <clears throat> I agree. Yeah. Depending on your situation. But when somebody actually brings to your attention, like, hey, something's not working right now, is that... And then instead of having even the faintest level of concern or responsibility for what's going on in your place of work, you simply brush it off and go back to what you're doing. I can't understand that. And, and there's a lot of people that are like that. And it's like... I, I'm sorry, like that's a reality of the world that I just, and there's this attitude, there's this thing um, that has been, I don't know, I think it's, it's either a millennial and Gen Z thing or mostly a Gen Z thing, but it's kind of both because I always, I've said this several times, but I, I do believe that millennials are the last generation to have actually bought the dream, like to actually believe in the American dream. And I think that Gen Z is the first generation since then to be like, yeah, this is actually kind of bullshit, you know, a little bit. Um, so... So I do relate more to Gen Z in that aspect. But this thing, they call it quiet quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's basically just this idea where you have this job that like sucks. You don't give a shit about it. And it's like a thing to just show up and just do the bare minimum because fuck your boss, fuck this, fuck that, like whatever. And uh, I mean, if anything, minimum wage encourages that behavior. Yeah, but it's it's definitely a chicken versus it's definitely a chicken versus the egg thing, dude. Because if I was getting paid twenty five dollars, like literally when I you know used to work at like fucking Cadoba and shit, 
at the movie theater when I was an usher. It's like they made sure to give me the minimum wage. They didn't even offer like 25 cents extra. Mm -hmm. So I knew that they weren't valuing me. So I was like, why the fuck would I... Like, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to do a good job, but like, why go above and beyond for a company that is from the get-go trying to fuck me over? But what ultimately, like this idea, because I, I would say the same thing about myself when I was 19 um, and working my first jobs. What value do you actually have at that age? You have no work experience. You have no, like, you don't, like, you haven't acquired any of the actual skills in that field. You're starting out as a minimum wage worker. And it's kind of this weird sense of, like, entitlement to just walk into a place and be like, you're not paying me what I'm worth. And it's like, oh, I'm not? Because if you're telling me that you're worth this amount, then I would assume you could go and get that amount. And then, but that's not the case. So, how much we? I talk about this with gigs all the time. It's like if I were to walk into a place and be like, "Dude, a solo is five hundred bucks," and they're like, "We can't give you that." I'm like, "Well, that's how much I'm worth. I'm worth five hundred bucks." And they would be like, "Okay, then I guess maybe you should play at a bar that's going to pay you five hundred dollars for three hours." And then I would go, "Oh wait, yeah, nobody's paying me five hundred dollars for yeah, three hours. I, maybe I'm not worth that." I think that that makes sense in a vacuum. Like if you are just starting a job and you've already agreed, these are your duties and these are your wages, then yes, you should put forward an effort that reflects that. But at the moment you find out everyone else gets paid more than you. Sure. Or maybe you find out uh, the people who run the place are rude alcoholics, or maybe you find out that all the customers are rude alcoholics. It's something like that. You know, it can't be, it can't be totally separated from the social situation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it, to some degree, you can make the like, I don't know, like liquid liberal free market thing where it's like, we'll just leave and do something else. But at the same time, while you're there, you don't have to be putting forward your best effort every single time to make the place better, quote unquote, if it seems obvious that it's not really going to do much. Well, know? yeah, no, I, I agree. If you if you find yourself because I, this is the other aspect of that conversation I was going to bring up is that when I noticed that no one else at Watershed was doing their job, I kind of got in my own head. I was like you know, maybe I will take a fucking 35 minute break. Nobody cares. Nobody yeah. notices. Nobody gives a fuck. And it was kind of this like principled thing where I had to force myself not to do that because I was like, you know what? That's likely what's going on with everyone else in this building, which is that they are in an environment where nobody gives a fuck. And then it's a waste of time for you to give a fuck when everyone else around you doesn't give a fuck. And you just feel like you're putting out too much effort for not enough back. So I understand I understand the thought process of being in a situation where you feel like you're undervalued um, and that kind of reflecting into your actual work ethic. At the same time, what I don't understand is the kind of contentment that a lot of people seem to have with being in that situation. Like when you find yourself in a situation when you're not being paid as much as you wish you were, or you feel like you're worth more than what you're being given, or, or you feel like your efforts are wasted on this job place that, you know, it doesn't matter because no one else gives a fuck. Simply having, simply taking the tact of being like, well, fuck it, I guess I just won't do shit either. It's like, okay, while you're there, but if you're not constantly trying to put yourself in a position where that's not your situation, then you're also just as bad as them. It's like if you find yourself in a job where you feel undervalued, um, you know, in the same way that you work, you wake up and clock into work and give them eight hours of your day, those other 
16 hours of your day, you should clock in and fucking give yourself the time of day to improve your situation as opposed to just accepting that my job sucks and I'm underemployed. And it's like, first of all, if you go your entire life underemployed, <laughs> you weren't underemployed. You were exactly where you needed to be. Yeah. You can only claim to be underemployed for so long. You can't be underemployed for 20 years. Maybe that's just what you're worth. Maybe your idea of what you thought you're worth was here and reality said, no, it's here. And your whole life you've been going, dude, I'm so underemployed. And you're like, no, I think the longer you go, the more this starts to become that. And now you're right where you need to be, it seems like. Well, because Underemployed is like slang for class-based inferiority complex. That's how I interpret that. It's like, I got this education and i paid this money for a degree and therefore i deserve a specific spot in the social hierarchy that may there might just not be enough yeah jobs to fill the number of people or the number of undergrads who are being produced um but as far as um as far as showing up and and, and giving effort going back to the original point I, I don't know i i guess i am i am imagining those people who are in college right now like say you're studying to be like an engineer or something and you work at you work as like a busboy or something. I don't think you need to be going, you know, six pistons the entire time you're there to be a fucking busboy. Because ultimately, being a busboy doesn't matter. And you should be putting most of your efforts and energy towards doing the things that align with your ambitions. You know, when you're mm -hmm. in that that restaurant and you're playing guitar and everybody else is um, not working very hard, it's because they don't care about it. You care about playing guitar. You care about singing. That is totally in line with your values and who you want to be. Nobody mm -hmm. else in that room feels that way. Yeah. Yeah. What if she's going to become a wrestler? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm over here interrupting her. She's trying to learn moves on the yeah, thing. She she's trying to learn how to... Her coach. <laughs> she's like, yeah, girl. So anyway, when you get the arm like that, you want to hit him with a tombstone. <laughs> she's like, yeah, totally. I totally agree. No, I would usually work the DDT in that situation, but no, I think tombstone <laughs> makes more sense. <laughs> the Boston lobster. <laughs> okay, well, that's... That's a valid yeah. angle that what I did not she, consider. She got it's up true. after you tapped her shoulder and just fucking figure for a leg lock. <laughs> She's clearly studying. <laughs> okay. Okay. So while so, you were wiping tables, I was studying the blade. <laughs> so these are these are great these are great points all around. Which brings me to this uh, next phase of the conversation. I think, which is you have ambitions. We've mentioned earlier, dreams become, you know, whatever, but ambitions are forever. Maybe it's the reverse, regardless. However, when I was 19, that's that, as you can tell, that's the age I use to describe myself at my dumbest, <laughs> unless we're talking about 18. Um, obviously, I had ambitions. Obviously, my life goal wasn't to work at Seasons Pizza, but there was a respect that came from, and I think a lot of this comes down to just how people look at their bosses and how they see business owners in general. Yeah. I think you, it's, you're, you're in a, a different situation than some people though, too. Cause you, you worked at seasons, which was like a local chain, mm -hmm. but it was owned by Matt and Pete. Yeah. And you was, knew the owners, you knew the bosses and it was a small kind of work environment. Yes. But if you're like, if you're a fucking greeter at Walmart, you're just some cog in some giant machines. Mm -hmm. Corporate overlords, like, states away, don't even know you fucking exist. Yeah. Are you really going to fucking put in your best effort 
Yeah, totally. And I'm, I'm even, I'm even granting that like, yes, when I play at places that are like corporate owned and stuff and I've never met the owner, I never met the, anybody, the manager just writes the check. It's not his money. Like, you know, it's some guy on high that just like said, yeah, we want music five to eight. First of all, those are the same places that'll just cancel you at the drop of the hat too. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, whatever. Like I, I will be a little bit more lax. Like maybe I'll start a little bit later than I would. I mean, not that I ever try to start late, but it just happens. Um, but like, I'll be less worried about it if it's like a gig that I just know that like, it's a corporate gig. Like they don't give a shit. They just, they wouldn't even know if I didn't show up. Honestly, I'd probably still get a check in the mail if I just didn't show up. Like, that kind of thing, I'm definitely more lax than when I am playing at a bar where I know the owner. And yeah. like, because now you're actually taking this guy's money. Like, when that guy hands you a check, that's the equivalent of him reaching into his pocket and saying, Here's $300 yes. for playing here, versus some manager that's like, Oh, what your name was? And then they like stamp it with some other guy's signature and give you the check. Mm-hmm. So I get all that. Um, but I think in general, I think corp, I think the corporate world breeds that attitude because I think what happens is it separates you so far from what you're actually doing and who you're actually doing it for that you start to just exist in this kind of realm of like what I'm doing literally doesn't matter what if you if you have a job where you genuinely feel like you could just not show up and no one would notice what does that do to the psyche Mm, I mean I think on on the surface people think like oh that would be sweet just to like be able to fuck off but it's like what does that do to your sense of self-worth when you have a job that like you literally feel like it makes no difference like you're just Mm -hmm. You're like one step above welfare at that. There's point. people who have uh like they 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 do like two jobs at once. So they have their full time job and then you can go work for like Google, where you really are like just you could be lost in the system mm-hmm. and still make a full time salary. Mm-hmm. But like you can fuck off at that and you still get like double pay. Yeah. Man. It's yeah. crazy. It's yeah. pe- like wow. people do that. And it but it's like that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. But like I totally agree. It's like you, if somebody's just there willing to pay you, but like you're just like some little itty, itty part of it. If you're yeah. like, if you're working as like an usher at like AMC movie theater, it's like there's this huge umbrella of like yeah. a thing, yeah. or like you're a fucking well, greeter or a cashier at Walmart. Like, yeah. I mean, now that I'm thinking about the movie theater thing. It's like there is a immediate notice of you not doing your job if you're an usher because a movie movie's gonna let out and a new one's gonna go in and there's trash everywhere yeah mm. but like yeah if you're just a fucking like security guard for a parking lot and the, every system is automated like <laughs> you know there's a fucking pay machine like you don't even have to oh they're sitting the there watching wrestling the whole time <laughs> yeah yeah it's like i mean and they're like you know the the one-way mirror glass there could not even be a guy in there and no one would notice and yeah. it wouldn't even matter. Yeah. Yeah. I just think I, I always looked at it. It's like, I, I, saw, that job. <laughs> <laughs> I see both sides of everything. I just, I think that a lot of that, when you take on that attitude, it's like, you know, I am a firm believer in how you do anything is how you do everything. And I think when, if it's like, like I said, if you're going to be doing something, it doesn't mean you have to go above and beyond, but just, like for instance like you you have a great situation working with joey Mm -hmm. and the thing is it's like going back to the whole like chicken versus the egg of like pay me more and i'll do more versus like well why don't you show that you're worth more and then i'll give you more it's it those are both equally valuable things in my opinion Mm -hmm. because um on one end it's like well if you think you can do better then why don't you be the one that takes out the risk of starting a business and 
renting a fucking property and sign that lease for $10,000 a month and hope that you're going to make that in people coming into your restaurant and, and deal with all the shit of having to do everyone's taxes and having to hire accountants and lawyers and hire people and managers and deal with all that shit. If you think you're better than that, then you can do that. But if you're not going to do that, then, then, you know, have some respect, I guess, for like, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. You're talking about making a, no, there are huge barriers to entry just to starting a restaurant. You have to have like an obscene mm. amount of capital ready to go, and some people just don't have access to that. So maybe that was just a bad example because I get what you're saying, Jimmy. When you're t- like, there is like something that is not worth doing right isn't worth doing. I, I yeah. agree with that sentiment a lot. But Eric was also alluding to an interesting point earlier, which is that you know sometimes you just got to choose your battles, and sometimes it's just not worth it. I guess I go into this conversation in navigating that tension with this idea that we have like limited energy with which to confront problems in our lives, and you need to spend that energy smartly because if you try to do it all the time, you're just mm-hmm. not going to do anything as well as you could have, and it's better to optimize than to go hard on the paint all the time on all of these different ethical questions. Yes. Okay. So you're right. Maybe maybe the the starting a restaurant thing isn't the best example. But if you look at like for instance, like it doesn't. First of all, yeah, restaurants specifically. Yes, it's a large amount of capital. But contracting, if you're working, if you're working as a drywall hanger for some other dude's company, sure. and you think that guy treats you like shit, you can either choose to work for that guy and be discontent, or you can go out and get your own gigs hanging drywall. What do you need a fucking drill and a fucking truck and mm-hmm. some shit? Like at a certain point, like yeah, it does cost capital to start a business i had to buy all that music i had to buy thousands of dollars worth of speakers and chords and guitar and all that shit like you know and you have to have your drums you have to have your instruments like yeah there's a reason why most people don't start a business and just work for someone else's business and it's not a knock either way if you choose to do one or the other but there has to be a certain amount of understanding that it's like look you know like like at your job you know, like Joey has given you raises over the years, I mm-hmm. imagine, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's probably because you've been obviously through thick and thin, his longest employee, I would say at this point, mm-hmm. and his right hand man, and you're good at your job. And uh, there's probably also been through the through the years that you've been there, other people that have worked for him that kind of didn't put f- forward their best effort, kind of expecting that, like, well, if you want me to do more then maybe, you know, I deserve this or I deserve that. And then it it winds up not working out. And I think that the reason why you have that relationship with him versus the Cinemark thing is because of that attachment. Like, you know, Joey, you see what Mm -hmm. he's doing. You have respect for what he's doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same way, like, you know, like I I used to take 10% off gigs and stuff when we did bands. And then I stopped because I was like, well, we're all like at a certain point, I was like, if we're doing the band now, we just put in the band fund and stuff like that. But that was entirely because of like I saw that like everyone was carrying their weight. Like if somebody was just showing up and just like leaving, not loading in, not packing out, I would have been like, yeah, well they just get the fucking like, you know, like you know, it's just like that's the way I always looked at it. It's like it is hard, it's a hard kind of thing to go like if you pay me more, I'll do more versus well, you know, in order for me to reach it in my pocket and give you more money, you have to show me that you're worth something. And mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it comes from this sense of I don't know if entitlement's the perfect word for it, but there is this kind of sense of entitlement that I think a lot of people have where they just assume that they are worth a certain amount with no logical basis for thinking that. Like there's no there's no actual real world basis for the assessed worth 
the assessed value, your self-appraisal of how much you're worth that's based in reality. You just have that number in your mind. And then whenever it's not met, you look at it as someone's fucking you over. And that's not necessarily the case. In fact, usually it's not the case. I highly doubt that if the uh, manager, the corporate owner of that restaurant I was playing at walked up to the hostess and said, hey, I'm going to give you a $2 raise, that she would get, hang up the FaceTime call and walk all over to the table immediately and be like, hey, um, you know, it's, it's not only like my job to get drinks, but I think the bartender's busy, you know, trying to get laid. So I'm going to, what, what can I get you guys to drink? Like just that sense of like urgency, that sense of like wanting to, I highly doubt that. Because there's, there's, as much as you want to factor in the, the monetary aspect of things, there's also an element of just, there are just different types of people. And that type of person that I watched, I don't think that's a product of her environment. I sure. think that she would be like that no matter where she worked, which is why she will continue to probably not have a successful career, which is then like, okay, but that'll be the same person that'll sit there after making shitty wages for end on end and constantly be sitting there being like man i should be they should pay me more mm-hmm. why why should they i think pay it's totally more? dependent on what your ambitions are like what games you're playing you chose to pay us because we shared an ambition and we were all playing the same game but when i was getting up at six in the morning to work at a deli before i went to school for three hours and then i came home and then i worked on music for two hours i was seeing that minimum wage job as a component towards the other games I was playing, much longer games, where I was focused on developing skills and creating products that I could be proud of. So it really just depends. You know, if you're if you are at some dumb job like that and you're just seeing it as um, you know, money and an end in itself and you're like, yeah, I can kind of take or leave this, I think that's totally fine as long as it's serving some higher aim, you know. And it doesn't even have to be that grand. It doesn't even have to be um creative. You know, it can just be like I just want to support my family, you know, mm-hmm. and that's it. And I can kind of check in and check out. And that's that. You might not live the happiest life that you could, but it's not unethical, I don't think. What's not unethical? Like uh, giving, giving a uh, uh, minimum effort. <clears throat> minimum, minimum wasn't the word I was looking for, but I still think I would agree up with that. You're yeah. like, uh, what the fuck is it called? Um, like withheld effort, like not going full yeah, you're min-maxing. but still performing. Yes, min max. Still performing your job. You're playing a game. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. in Skyrim. Sometimes you're not going to learn alchemy in certain playthroughs because you're too focused on archery. Or know? it's yeah. like, you but can, in the meantime, you some guys paying you learn alchemy. This week, <laughs> so you're of, taking his money. Though. This week of work, like I can figure out how to do this in two hour bursts over the next three days mm-hmm. instead of taking the whole four or five days. Sure. Yeah. And then use the other time to, you know. Yeah, I think I Go think to the, the bathroom or something. <laughs> <laughs> the major distinction is definitely how how much of a relationship you have with the person paying you. I think that because if you were to apply that same example, it would be like if you were saying like when we were playing music, and you were like, "Yeah, I'll play these gigs with you," but ultimately I want to do like whatever you. If you had some other ambition or something, and I'd be like, "All right, well, that's great that you have that other ambition, but in the meantime, I'm paying you to do this," and so. If there was a person who was just showing up and just like fucking just uh, this is boring and then fucking just dip in, showing up late, leaving early and stuff like that, I'd be like, yeah, dude, I get your whole, you have other things. But in the meantime, I'm paying you money to do this thing. Well, that, so let's, you can let's have script, money. Jimmy, why can't they just fire them? 
I, I mean, I would. I mean, yeah, you would. But like at the same time, so can these bosses, you know, they also yeah. can do that. So I, again, I just wouldn't really put it on the workers. I, just, I, I mean, obviously, to, yeah, I would agree. I think that goes to show how much they care. Yeah, True. That's how much the bosses it, care. To let it uh-huh. atrophy. To let said it there's yeah. a manager there. Like, why wasn't the manager doing shit about any of this? Yeah. yeah. That's the yeah. other, like I feel like it's a I feel like that because he's those, another one yeah that's a top down thing like yeah if you see that your manager or your owner or your boss whatever like really cares then you go okay like it, I think I feel like you can kind of infer that like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you you take that in and you go okay like if they care then so should I mm-hmm. and I think there's like a they're not like hovering over your shoulder being like hey you need to check out these two frat guys at the table make yeah. sure they're not you know couple of weirdos yeah but it's like just show that you care a little bit i think i think like from the top down because then it's like then you take that in and you go okay maybe i should give a shit about like cleaning up after these people when they fucking throw their popcorn on the floor Mm -hmm. like you know don't like i don't know it's just and not just care about the work environment care about the people who are working for you too because i've had people who get one but not the other yes i i don't want to put in effort yeah, when I when both of those aren't in place, get the work environment, but not the. Yeah, I've had some bosses who are like very caring about the people, but they're really lazy about like enforcing um like like work standards. Mm-hmm. And I've had the opposite issue where they're really they're kind of tight asses. They're really good on work standards, but they're assholes, you know. And I just don't yeah. want to work for them. Yeah. Okay. It's a hard so balance. Ma- many strike. things that needs to be in place. Yeah. Um, and I mean, also, it's like a very human thing to also just want to be acknowledged for your effort. Yeah, so it's like absolutely. if that's just not happening, then you're gonna go sour. I feel like that's yeah. the hardest thing about working in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to a certain degree, I feel like being a musician is a there's a it's a step above because people will actually be like, "Hey, good job." But like when you work in the restaurant industry. It is a thankless job. Oh, I yeah. le- you learned like I think anyone's ever thanked that Utterly host. Like you know, yeah. the way you scheduled my table for three at seven thirty, you did that like nobody else. No one's saying that. <laughs> no, and <laughs> it's not thanked. like it's warranted, but it's also like yeah, but it's like it's a thankless job. It really mm-hmm. is. And all like throughout, I feel like as a bartender, I feel like as a bartender, you probably get thanked the most you because thanked. you get to FaceTime of like you make these drinks for the you open the bottle no, for gets them thanked the most at a restaurant probably fucking bus boy just pouring up waters at a table <laughs> oh for <laughs> sure oh, like they get the most <laughs> thanks in the fucking restaurant right. and they're probably the least paid yeah uh oh for sure yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but honestly, i've worked just about every job yeah. a little bit honestly yeah it does because you pour, you know, you pour water for some dude. I poured, I poured water in uh, one of the first times I ever worked. I poured water in somebody's uh, vodka drink, mm. and I learned the hard way to <laughs> the difference in cups. Yeah. I was like, not every cup is the same. Like, <laughs> this dude like, was so no, bad. thank you. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? That was my vodka sprite, and I was like, oh fuck, shit, dude. <laughs> We'll get you another Smirnoff and Sprite, dude. Yeah, we'll yeah, figure relax. It out. yeah, I know. Relax. <laughs> Restaurant industry is definitely the one of all industries that is probably. It, I think. I think that when I say I, I like the idea in Greece, for instance, that when you turn eighteen, you have to fulfill one year of compulsory military service. I would also in and, America, it should be retail or fucking. You the should restaurant have to industry. work with people. Uh, for one year of your life as part of your, it's amazing the things that you learn that aren't considered part of education like I, I always mm-hmm. think back in the old days like how much they like valued like 
teaching music and like teaching the arts to kids. Yeah. Cause it's like, now it's like the education system has gotten so like watered down to like, it's like math, English, this, that. And you're like, but like, if I think of like the most learning experiences in my life, it usually wasn't in those, uh, in those in scenarios. Yeah, no. It was, it was by it going out and experiencing it's amazing. I mean, it's not amazing. It makes sense because I think that this education system suffers from the same exact phenomenon that we were just discussing for the past, mm, however yeah. long we were. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're, we're, but like, I don't know. It just, what are you going to do? Complacency breeds complacency. I only brought any of that up just to make sure that when you find yourself in that situation, you can be in a situation full of losers, but the clock starts ticking until you become one as well. If you're not working towards not being one of them. Yeah, your network is your net worth. Is that where you're going with this? (laughs) Which is why I respect hustle culture so much more. Then quiet quitting culture. Mm. You should. There's a million. Jay-Z said it. And I think he's maybe the most overrated rapper of all time. But he said, (laughs) there's a million ways to get it. There's a million ways to make money, dude. There's all kinds of ways to make money, dude. You know? So figure it the fuck out. In the meantime, check on that table. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, Last thing, unless anybody had any things they wanted to touch upon. Mm. This is, I got a story, but I might save it for next week. Oh, you think so? Because I'll I'll have a follow up to it when, oh, I, get, when I get home. Ah. He's putting it on ice. Put that putting story on, on ice. ice. Yeah, put that in the freezer. This is a this is a fan a listener request topic um, from our boy Trevor Job, who was not too happy that we took our little hiatus. Mm. He wasn't not happy. He was like, dude, I've been checking every day for like the past two weeks. What the fuck are you guys doing? Damn. I was like, sorry. Sorry, Trevor. Um, but he wanted me to discuss this movie, which I was not going to discuss only because I think it is the most ridiculous uh, controversy. It is weird. At this point in our at this point in pop culture, there are two main movies that are in the headlines. There's Barbie and there's Sound of Freedom, right? Mm-hmm. And it is weird how those two movies have I become. Say Barbie and Oppenheimer. That's what I thought he was gonna. Yeah, but I, I would to. say in terms of like public discourse over like they're, they're like politicized. Like Barbie has become politicized. Man. Oppenheimer is literally a movie about politics. Yeah, but I haven't <laughs> seen people really like say like nah, I'm just kidding. the normal shits they would say like this shit's <laughs> fucking woke. And then the other people being like, no, you're a pussy. Like the kind of like they're like Oppenheimer is just a good movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most people, when they discuss Oppenheimer, I've, I've discussed Oppenheimer with my liberal friends. I've discussed it with my conservative friends and everybody's just pretty much. Yeah, that was a good movie. Like I have no like I saw that movie and it was like the fucking fast lane conversation. I was like, good movie. No marks. We're good. Mm-hmm. Next topic. Um, but Barbie and Sound of Freedom have become almost like these litmus tests, I would say. When you talk to people, like uh, Alex's coworker was saying, like she went to go see Barbie, and then she was talking to her other coworkers, and she was like, "Yeah, I didn't like it." And then the first thing the girl said was like, "Oh, you must be a conservative." And it's like weird that you would make that jump. Now I haven't seen Barbie yet. I, I will. I'll watch it. I watched it on Monday. It was actually really good. Okay, cool. And it was uh, all liberal. The, I guess mm. so. I kept seeing people like have 
these crazy like you know down the rabbit hole like posts about Barbie and mm-hmm. literally the movie has nothing to do with any of that weird projected shit. Yeah. I think that uh and and, and in the same way the movie Sound of Freedom which I hadn't watched. I have no I the only thing I know about that movie is they're like astroturfing the fuck out of it. What does that mean? Uh they're buying a bunch of tickets for empty theaters to make it look like it's doing good in the box office, but in reality it's a bunch of like weird billionaires who are just pushing a a, a number to go higher. The thing is, I I kind of had the same the way you're describing watching Barbie and just kind of seeing it and being like, what was everybody talking about? I watched it last night because I knew that we were going to do the podcast today. I was like, all right, fine, I'll fucking watch so you it. You watched Barbie last night? No, I watched oh, Sound, Sound of Freedom. Freedom last night. I was gonna try to catch it matinee today at the movies, but I usually run my business, my offshore sports, accounts during the day, sports, my sports, sports business. Spending. I run my sports <laughs> business during the day. So I was like, I'm not going to have that. I simply am not going to have the time to walk across the street to Cinemark and watch this movie when I when the Angels are playing at one. I'm just not going to have that kind of time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'll do this old school. I will fucking download this on Pirate Bay. Mm. And I got the worst rip of a movie maybe ever. It had like an advertisement in the top and then like every like 25 minutes there would be a full-fledged commercial in the middle for like some oh slots God. company in Europe. Hell and then there yeah. would also be like pop-ups during the movie. Like you'd be watching and there'd be like a full-fledged like guy popping up and like playing poker and being like <laughs> slots.com. Dude, Hell it was, yeah. I've never Love seen. That. Honestly, That's if hilarious. that was in the real movie, I would watch it right now. Yeah. Dude, I've never seen, I've never seen anything like it honestly because i obviously we it's all grew like up in that someone era like, like screen recorded like watching it off one of those like movie streaming sites it was and all, then uploaded it to the pirate bay it was one watch away or it was one notch away from being unwatchable um not the movie itself but the 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 thing that i downloaded because it was just so distracting the audio sucked i think the worst cam i ever downloaded like cam rip movie I think it was the Yu-Gi-Oh movie because it was still like nice. back in the day wow. when you had to be like a closet nerd. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm still that way now just because that's how I was born and raised. Yeah. When we but get another one, man. Back then, yeah, you, you couldn't admit you liked anything that was cool and fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like by third grade, you're like, I don't play Pokemon anymore. I am straight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember I downloaded the Yu-Gi-Oh movie and the camera was like tucked in between this guy's man boobs mm. for the whole movie. So it was like jiggling a little bit the whole time. And then you could just hear him mouth breathing into the mic oh over the God. whole movie. It was insane. I almost, I That's almost, incredible, I almost watched it out of respect for that era. Yeah. Like that kind of like YouTube, like that kind of like cam recorded era. Cause I was like, there's very few times in my life when I'm going to get this experience again. I might as well yeah. enjoy it while it's here. You know, this is a dying art. The bootleg is a dying art. I remember. It really is. It when kid- I worked at the movie theater, we almost kicked a woman out because we thought she was trying to bootleg like an Annabelle movie or some shit. Because <laughs> she brought in a giant doll that looked like one of the eyes was a video camera. <laughs> oh, <lens>. my God. <laughs> And yeah, Talk almost kicked someone culture. out. That's that is hustle culture. She's grinding. You think she's quiet quitting? No thanks. Oh, no sir. She Dude, brought no, in a separate person. She bought a ticket for that doll <laughs> to fucking just, rip this movie. That made me remember um, for the Planet of the Ape like remake movies. 
those movies were so big and they put so much money into those movies. Warner Brothers hired people all opening weekend to sit in the back of the theaters at Cinemark. And they did this at every movie theater and around across the country. They literally put like undercover fucking narcs in the movie theaters to make sure Damn, no one was wow. like recording any of the movies. Had had guys the dress up like yeah, the cinema <laughs> had guys dress up like typical movie Dude, like goers, fucking like, like a high Marshalls. school guy. In a- <laughs> Talk about a good job to not give a fuck, right? <laughs> yeah. You just show up and you're like, I didn't see anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Didn't great great movie. <laughs> yeah, great <laughs> movie. Good job, Warner. Great movie. Didn't both, see. Yeah. both brothers. If anybody bootlegs us, I'd be surprised. <laughs> it's crazy the bootleg is from my angle in the exact seat. <laughs> um so so with this particular movie, I am I am beside myself with what this is where i think like you know these manufactured controversies come from like yeah i I mean it sounds like the sound of freedom you saw was the slot machine sound (laughs) 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 that sounds like hollywood casinos that sounds like freedom to me baby (laughs) um no it was it was a good movie and i i am i am at a loss for words as to what the politicization about it was there was not even the slightest mention of Anything that I can recall of anything political. It was literally about, it took place in like Honduras. And there was this girl and her brother who were like abducted by this woman who's like a child trafficker. She's like this like model looking chick that like lures kids in, telling them to be actors. And then she was like shipped to another country and like sold into sex slavery. And then this guy finds one of them and then he makes his mission to go and like go into Colombia and like rescue this other girl. He like fights off some like cartel. And then he rescues the kids. It's honestly, dude, it's a good fucking movie. And it's weird. It's weird that like, like I said, the the politicization of, of things, it's like, I almost feel like if you say it's a good movie, then it's like someone in the rafters can be like, you're a fucking conservative. And it's like, I, I don't even understand why it even became, I almost wonder if it was done on purpose by the marketing company to try to make this like a, like this is a make it a bigger deal yeah like this is a right-wing movie and then they would tap into that market that we're going to see it but i genuinely there's plenty of movies i I, all the time you watch movies and like you can always see some type of political agenda one way or the other being jammed in this had to be the most neutral movie i've ever seen in my life and i don't understand the controversy about it whatsoever it the the uh, and I and there's a lot of people in the same way that a lot of uh, conservative people probably just won't watch Barbie because of the politicization. Politis that's a that's a crazy I mean, word. We need to make a shorter version of that. So word. I'm pretty sure the only reason people think it's like political is because they say the word patriarchy in it as like yeah. a plot point. But in reality, it's not about that at all because the mm-hmm. ideas of patriarchy were totally misconstrued. And uh, it really is just about a journey of self-discovery for mm-hmm. a woman and her daughter, and then also a living action figure, a not real thing mm-hmm. from a made-up place in the movie. They're also being willfully ignorant about Ken's storyline, I think, you know, because yeah. they also kind of throw men a bone and talk about how, you know... Your ability or your value as a man isn't tied to your ability to acquire women, which is a, yeah. a weird talking point in like the manosphere, red pill 
community, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, you can just be yourself too, you know? It's also just very silly to be like, I don't know, a 30-plus-year-old man going to see Barbie and being like, I can't believe they didn't make this movie for me. <laughs> right. I can't believe this movie for young girls wasn't made for me. I would say the, the only thing you can really criticize it for is that like sometimes it comes off as a little heavy-handed. I guess you would want it to be more subtle sometimes, but like you said, it's not for you. And I think the one time it does feel a little heavy-handed, it kind of earns it, you know, and it's talking directly to its audience, which is not us. You yeah. Know? I mean, and it's also, like, real shit. Like, you know, the jokes about, like, oh, you know, we're going to Mattel, the company that created Barbie, and then, oh, all their CEOs and executives are men. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of, you know, satire. It's That's what a lot of the world is like. Sure. <laughs> a lot of men have been making business and whatever personal decisions for women for a very long time, and we're mm-hmm. making a joke about it. And. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that offends you, I guess. I don't fucking know. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen that one, to be honest. I haven't seen the movie. but uh, I don't know. It's very crazy to me. Yeah, I, I, I think that just the dichotomy of these two movies have kind of been, from my angle, kind of like pitted against each other as like, like I said before, like litmus test of like where you align politically. And again, I, I as far as the argument goes with uh, politicizing stuff in movies, it's definitely a thing. Um, and it, it's one thing to kind of be like, oh, it's just a, it, like, again, I, I'm, I'm not even talking specifically about Barbie, but just in terms of movies that I have watched and shows on Netflix and things like that, that I have watched over the course of my life, it's very easy to kind of pick out the messagery that they're trying to put forward. And it's very easy to see when they're putting forth a certain narrative whether i mean because you don't like that's the point of a story like yeah you watch a movie about hercules and it's like okay you know you have like religion you have greek mythology and all these like these stories yes they're made up but they're trying to tell a bigger message that's why we enjoy watching movies it's not just to go in there in a vacuum and just watch this thing and be like oh that was a thing that has no relation to my life in any way and and certainly wasn't trying to make any Mm -hmm. statements on a broader scale it's like yeah that exists um, so I would have to watch Barbie particularly just to see what I pick out from there. I can already say I wouldn't be surprised that I would be able to, like, I would notice it, but I, it's just a matter at this point of how, like you said, heavy-handed it is or, like, how alienating it becomes. Like, is it to the point where um, if you don't wholeheartedly agree with all of that, those uh, values that you would almost not even be able to enjoy the movie at that point? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. But as far as what I can speak to, with what Trevor was saying about Sound of Freedom is in this movie, I kind of expected that it would be like that in reverse. Like, okay, so Barbie's going to have the left wing uh, tinge to it where it's going to have more of a uh, liberal type of like worldview and it's going to be reflected in the plot line and everything like that. I kind of expected that in Sound of Freedom and it literally, there was nothing, it was probably the least, like it was... Mm. I, I'm genuinely at a loss for how it was politicized in the first place, other than if the marketing team, which I'm not saying they did this, but in in where we live in right now, I wouldn't be surprised where they tried to be like, this is a good marketing angle to try to like make this this like right wing thing. And where now we're going to tap into that whole market and like be like, yo, this is like a movie you have to watch if you're a conservative because it's like this, that, the third. And it's like, that's a pot that honestly, it's the only possibility I can even uh, hypothesize at this point. 
it, I was just genuinely surprised. It was a good movie, and it, it, again, it, it's crazy that so many people will watch it because of the political thing, and so many people won't watch it because of the political thing. When in reality, it's like, you know, I don't fucking know. But yeah, like, did like a fucking like who? I'm trying to look at their Wikipedia now because I'm like, who made the movie? Was it like I know Jim Caviezel, who I don't that did it. Yeah, I don't know shit? if it was like what the I don't even know what the controversy about it was. It was in distributed general, distributed by Angel Studios, which is a Mormon film distribution studio. So maybe it was like because it's like a it's religious religious thing. But like the, the, the opening credits, they start off with like fucking like like shots of like like real world shit, like where you, like security camera footage, like kids being abducted and stuff like that, and like they close out. Have you seen it, John? I no, I yeah. haven't seen it. I mean, I've seen enough about how the politicization of it yeah you've seen like you've seen the talk about it but you haven't seen yeah i've seen all the talking heads be like you should see that like if they're on the right they're like you should see this and then i've seen people on the left be like yeah this this is is a fucking whack-ass movie it's all you know it's all red pill bullshit like do they give like reasons or like cite any i don't really i mean i kind of ignore it because it just filter it out too but yeah yeah, i would just be curious because it doesn't sound like like Barbie is very straightforward with like the message it's trying to tell, and you can kind of take or leave the argument. But it's I I would say it's making a sophisticated argument that you can at least empathize with. But it yeah. doesn't sound like that's what's going on in this movie at, at all. Which yeah, is why it, it's I'm genuinely like it's a it's an issue that you would think would be an issue that everyone would be on board with. And there's very few issues that I would ever say that about. I hate that when people do that. Like when they're trying to express an opinion, they're like this is something like we everyone should agree with because I feel like it's kind of like. It's kind of dishonest a little bit to be like, all right, well, I feel like you're oversimplifying it a little bit by trying to make it ridiculous that anyone wouldn't agree with you. Um, So that's not what I'm trying to say. But but human trafficking. Yeah, it's it's like, like, yeah, it's right over the place. Especially children. Yeah. (laughs) They close out they close out the the movie with like a line that just says, like, in the world today, there are X amount of like, like children in sex slavery, blah, 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 blah. And then it says there are more people enslaved now than any other period in history, including when slavery was legal, which from all accounts I've heard is true. And I don't even, maybe that's, I don't, I don't like maybe the messagery. I feel like the very, okay. So this is the, this is the conspiracy. Cause you were trying to figure out what the conspiracy what was. Actually saying? Not even the conspiracy. I just, I'm just curious what people are criticizing it for I think because the, I haven't seen it. I don't really have an opinion yet. The very far, like, I guess QAnon-esque, which I don't even know if QAnon exists anymore. Are they tying it to like Pizzagate? That's what it seems like. They're the not tying it to Pizzagate, like- but I think what, I think what the, Pizzagate type people are saying is that the reason why this movie isn't being received is because it's exposing something that's going on in the real world in Hollywood and Hollywood doesn't want this movie to get out because it's exposing the things that they participate in, which is not the craziest argument when you when you consider the fact that we literally just caught Jeffrey Epstein two years ago and it's like that never fucking happened. And it's like, look, like, like the, the idea, the idea that like it's crazy how these things are all pitched as conspiracy theories. And then they stay that way. And then you literally go like, oh, wait, this fucking gigantically influential billionaire guy was like actively running like an island where he would traffic young girls and stuff like that. And other elite people throughout the world will come in like whatever. And it's like, yeah, that actually happened. And then he actually killed himself, which who knows. But it's like these this is a real world thing. That wasn't a movie. 
Do we think that that was a Netflix special two years ago that we just saw it happen? We're like, yeah, I remember that story. That was a thing that happened. Wouldn't the best um, kind of like hiding in plain sight thing to do then if you are that big guy controlling all the sex rings? What if you paid a lot of money to make a movie about human trafficking and uh, astroturfed a bunch of tickets to make it look like it? Uh, sold a lot of tickets and was a highly highly received movie. You could do that. I mean, you could. I like that term, by the way, astroturfing. You could do that, but I don't know if that would be the. Like, I'm trying to think of like what the ben- like like as it stands today, everyone is aware that that goes on, and even after we get Epstein and then he he's dies in prison, conveniently before he's able to say anything about any of the other people that were involved. And then the world just kind of just moved past it. And it's like, okay, clearly this isn't like in the general, when you talk like the general issues that people talk about politically, unfortunately, child sex trafficking is not one of the big ones. People talk a lot about climate change. They talk a lot about immigration. They talk a lot about wages. They talk a lot about the economy, inflation, blah, blah, blah. The, I would say the child sex trafficking is like a tier three topic in political debates. So I don't people see. People disagree about it. Yeah, people don't really? disagree about it. I, I, I maybe with the exception of this movie. I don't <laughs> that's the thing that's guess, crazy. It's yeah. like yeah, that's what doesn't add up. Like really. we just watched, like, we just watched before this sex trafficking. We just watched before this uh, podcast a whole uh, piece about Nickelodeon and the stuff that was going on there. <laughs> it's like Hollywood, first of all, is notorious for that shit. First of all, any industry is notorious for that shit, but Hollywood more so than most. Um, I don't know why that is the case. I have a couple theories. Well, I'm not going to bore like you. It's like more scandalous because everyone knows who you're talking about. Like, no one's going to care about that happening at a uh, you know at a fucking at a fucking PBR. accounting firm. Yeah, or like whatever. Like, I mean, it's it's salacious when it happens at a school mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you can be like, oh my god, a teacher, yeah, and a student. But you're not going to be like, oh, the fucking CPA. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's one of those things. Now I'm thinking about it. I think that the whole child sex slavery thing is one of those things that we don't talk about as much because I think in order for people to get amped up about something in a certain way, they kind of have to be able to see like, okay, everyone under, everyone can understand the whole wages thing because you can see both sides of it. You can see being the guy who wants to make more money working at a job. And you can also see being the guy who runs the company who doesn't want to pay more money to the guy working the job. So you understand both sides of the thing. You understand the motives. And then at that point, then you can decide to side with one or the other and be like, well, I'm more on the worker side or I'm more on the employer side. You can see the different angles at this issue and then you can kind of, you understand it. Yeah, it's a political choice there is, as to how to address it. I think the whole mark, the fact that there's a market for the child sex trafficking I think because most people don't, they don't understand why there would be a market because they don't understand that there's people that want that. So it's like, like you can understand like when people talk about porn and it's like, yeah, well, I'm a guy, I watch porn. So I can, I I can engage in this conversation because I have an opinion on this. Actually, Mm -hmm. I actually have a real opinion. I have an opinion on working at a job and, you know, seeing managers fuck the hostesses. And I can say whether I thought that was inappropriate or not inappropriate. And, And it varies case to case. But with the child thing, it's like, I think it's so foreign to people that that even exists because they can't even fathom of it. So it just goes unspoken about. But clearly, it's a thing, which is crazy to think there's that many. Like, dude, when I went into the fucking sex registry, uh, just because 
my friend sent me a picture of some guy that we went to high school with. And like he was like, yo, he just got this charge for like statutory rape or whatever. Oh my god! Um, and there's there's varying levels to it. Like I think he 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 like banged a 16 year old in North Carolina, um, and they even they tear those off in like levels of threat. Like obviously that's not going to be as much of a thing as if she was nine or if she was three. It's like they tear it off, rightfully so. I think. Um, I can't. I'm just thinking threat level midnight. <laughs> <laughs> But you're going through and like just seeing like the amount of names that pop up and you're like, dude, this is a whole world that I think that people just are unaware of. Not that I'm like this big crusader for this thing now because it's amazing that like I've always been unable to join the conversation because it's like because you don't get why someone would want it, you just assume that it's this small thing. You assume that it's this thing that's not prevalent, but it's like it must be prevalent to get to this point. And who are these people and how does it get to the point where there's more people like in that situation now than ever before? And then you hear about like, you know, Louis C.K. or Bill Burr. One of those guys had that joke about like, like, you know, in a serious context, it's hard to say the joke that he was saying, like, saying like, you know, like, like, I just I'm curious, like, what is it like? Like, fucking a kid must be awesome because like all these guys like risking their whole fucking life to like whatever. And it's like, you know, it's like you almost don't even I don't know. It appears to be a thing. Mm. I feel like it's a hard concept to wrap your mind around Mm -hmm. to think that there are people who buy children, but then there's also the further down the tier, there's people who lure the children in and bring them on this fucking horrible ride. Yeah. And then they just get passed along. Like, honestly, I keep thinking about the movie Taken. Yeah. Where, like, mm-hmm. you get, have that hilarious clip of Liam Neeson being like, I'll find you and I will kill you. But it's like his daughter literally gets kidnapped, drugged, and put in basically a holding cell and just gets passed around. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so, it's, I feel like for people, it's so hard to, to think like that's re, that, that is reality. And people, but also, you know, people are like, well, that happens over there. That doesn't happen here. Right. Like that's so I I feel like it's, it, it's the epitome of out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have to think about that. I don't have to deal about that. Like what I have to deal about is my child sex trafficking. No, I'm thinking about my minimum wage, my, you know, my social issues and like, (laughs) yeah, I'm thinking about Barbie and I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about like, I don't have to think about the the woes of like kidnapping Mm -hmm. and it's i don't i feel like it's like i feel like also people it's so fucked up that people don't want to think about it yeah Mm -hmm. the the media ecosystem is really bad at talking about very granular slow moving sort of precipitous problems um and it, it only when it becomes like a catastrophe that it really becomes an issue. I guess I'm thinking of like a good example might be like the demographics, how you have all these countries that are now subtly in the negative and people are like all these countries are losing people. These are obviously like decades long processes that are playing out. Mm-hmm. But it's only now that it's gone negative and it's creating negative consequences that we care about it. You know, at least at the national level. I will say you will see child abductions sex abuse cases all the time, but it's all at the local news level because yeah. that's where that the the place for those granular stories, that's where they come up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, there's there's not a conflict element 
to it either, which is what so much in the modern uh, media ecosystem. There needs to be a national, conflict. There That's, needs to yeah. be a conflict. That's yeah, a good there's, observation. There's no outrage, you know, about like what? Or it has to like hit the right demographic. Like the fucking, the guy at Gilman who like was like, you know, doing a bunch of weird shit to kids, mm-hmm. like buying them alcohol, picking them up from parties late at night. Oh, so, geez. you know, all this weird shit. When did this happen? It went federal because, you know, I think anytime you produce child pornography, it that's distribution or whatever the fuck. Yeah, so that's it's instantly FBI comes yeah. in and like they swooped him the fuck away. But like, I feel like that, would I feel that like, have been a big issue if it happened at fucking like City College? No, but no, it happened at Gilman with the fucking every parent there is a lawyer. Yeah, they're gonna they get have that guy so much money. fucked federally. I feel like right. that's similar to like the Jared from Subway guy. Like the story was about him and not so much about like the children yeah, that got right. affected. You right. know what I mean? Like I feel like that's where people can like they can hone in on the villain, but they can't really hone in on like the actual victims, like mm-hmm. and how to fucking understand that like these people exist and they need to be like put away and not given like jared got enough like he got publicity bad good whatever yeah, like the fucking boston bomber was on the cover of rolling stone like, yeah that that's crazy. insane man. that's so crazy that type of shit yeah but even things like like finance news that's not a catastrophe that doesn't generate outrage most of the time but it also covers people that are very well connected and known by either people in power or people in media ecosystems. So there are a couple things that drive news, but it doesn't seem like child trafficking is any of those things. Two quick things, actually three quick things. The Jarrett story, if you watch, like I'll send you guys a video. I don't know if you watch, but that story is like, honestly, like I kind of just assumed it was just like him just like watching child pornography. It's so it like, it like the stuff he was doing is crazy. Oh yeah, no. Like it was like oh, I don't know. He had shit. his own fucking Jelaine. Yeah, he had like a recruiter that was oh. recruit. Like he had like a whole yeah, it operation going. It was so much bigger than the way in the news. It was just like yeah, he was watching child porn. It's like that's what I yeah yeah. It's not. I was surprised by that's, that too oh because God. the way it was pitched to the public was just that, and that was probably a major portion of Subway just mm. being like, all right, it's already out that he's a pedophile, but like let's try to give it the least. Five dollar, five dollar for long. Um, second thing, question: When did this Gilman thing happen? Uh, like this past year. Oh shit! I'll have to look into that. And third thing, just a minor uh qualm about the plot, just to close out this subject. Trevor is uh, like I said, good movie all around. The only issue I had with it was why. This guy's with daughter. All these slot ads. <laughs> <laughs> I get that it was independently produced, but come on. I know, man. It was you gotta distracting. Get your budget from somewhere it was, else. It was distracting, Trevor. It was distracting. Um, no, but it was uh, the guy's kids were abducted, but then this other guy and this other guy and this other guy are the ones that go out and find him. And I'm just thinking, like, and the dad is just at home, like, waiting for them to find him. And I'm just like, that's not, that's that dude. Where are you, bruh? Why yeah. aren't you flying to Columbia and fucking helping him out? I was just wondering about and that. Really I was just like, these random dudes that are ready to fucking go to war. These dudes, child sex they're like federal officers. I mean, like, you know, he finds like some other random guy in Columbia, like who like had used to work with the cartel and like has connections and he starts working with him to figure it out. And, and the dad's just at home, just like sitting on the girl's bed, just crying. Mm. Like, dude, come on, bro. Get in the game. Get in the game. Other than that, I mean, like that was the only thing. Like the dad in that movie was... Weak as fuck. 
It's a weak, <laughs> weak character, bro. Shit. Weak character. Yeah. You better get yourself a flight to Columbia, bro. If you're thinking about watching Sound of Freedom, just watch Taken instead. <laughs> I think that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> he was but, not Ken Nuff. He was not Ken Nuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, good movie all around. Uh, Eric, you, you're holding your 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 I'm holding my story. You're putting that on ice. Week, yeah. Are there any other pressing issues that we need to cover in this world today? This world that we live in, the Maui oh. fires. We flamed, uh, we flamed drivers. We flamed tippers. We flamed movies. I think we got it covered today. We there was a lot of ground covered. There was a mm-hmm. lot of ground covered. Um, so thank you for joining us on the program. Um, any plugs? Do you guys happen to play? Like, you got any plugs or anything? I got shows. I got Zissimo's next Wednesday. Ooh. Um, that's with Still Bones. Next Friday is with Pat Mack and the Zen Collective, and we're opening for Pressing Strings at Metro Gallery. And then Saturday is Tributary Fest with Thunder Club. Mm. Joe? See, I'm playing with uh, Flackmaster and the Heebie Jeebies, um, oh, nice. Ken yeah. Gruff, and. McMaster sandwich and that's all gonna be at uh, oh yeah they're out the hippodrome okay yeah, cool, I yeah. made up all these guys so uh. I was <laughs> I really want those to be real because those were so like they sounded they real sounded, they, sounded, they sounded real enough some weird obscure Come bands on, yeah, I should have gone first I can't follow that <laughs> yeah I know I'm playing with Jared and the pedos <laughs> <laughs> um let's see let's oh any plugs for you by the way um. I'm going to be popping around, I think, Baltimore Comedy Festival is this weekend, so yeah. Labor Day weekend, go on go on out and see some free shows, go to some paid ones if you want, but you might see me out and about. And that's uh, BaltimoreComedyFestival.com? Yes. For all your BaltimoreComedyFestival.com needs. Mm-hmm. Um, Shouts out to WTMD. Uh, I think we're in the record books. We're running for it. We're working on it most unresponded to emails of any band oh you know what i'll send our song to micah no way yeah micah woods the plug okay well there you go folks just in the nick of time one month before the leave to nashville they won't they won't (laughs) respond to me or us but they'll respond to micah Okay, good, 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 good. All right, so it sounds like our records are coming to a close, folks, because this has been the most ridiculous streak. I we live directly next to that station. We do. I think Slip about that all the time, bucks, bro. I think about you know, <laughs> I think about it all the time that there is a radio station called W Towson Maryland, <laughs> and we have been playing music next to that station and around that station, and in some cases, if you're me, every Tuesday. In, in that station, uh-huh. <laughs> and they have somehow managed to just, huh? Well, it's, huh? they're so high up, they they forget to look down, huh? So, shouts out WTMD for keeping it real, and uh, yeah, at sophomore MD, uh, at Jimmy Seleski across the board. Um, this week, let me tell you about this week, next Tuesday. <laughs> Assuming no other big wigs come in, I will be at Perennial, 5 to 8.30 in Towson. That's every Tuesday, unless someone important is there. Uh, Thursday, 
August 31st. I will be at Ampersy in Fells Point. Can you believe it? If he feels like it. If I feel like it. If they feel like it. If I feel like it. If God feels like it. If all the things align. <laughs> if God. <laughs> if all the things align, you will see me at Ampersy in Fells Point this Thursday, August 31st. Um, every first Friday of the month until Atlas doesn't feel like it anymore in the winter. I will be at Valley Inn in the world-famous, luxurious Lutherville Timonium, or as some people would call it, Brooklynville. Uh, five should, to eight. We should convince them to do a, one more trio. Yeah, one more for the books? Yeah. We'll talk. I got We don't have, dude. We send don't me have. that email, and I'll send it to I'll my t- people. I'll talk to Jezza, and she won't do anything. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, also, this Saturday, Nacho Mama's in Towson. I will be there every first Saturday forever, I think. Uh, four to seven. Um, that's Saturday, September 2nd. They called me up this week to inform me that they no longer are doing the $50 comp tab. That was a callable thing. It's $100 now. It's 100 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a raise. Yeah. So my streak of drinking bottomless Jaeger for some reason at only there may be coming to uh, a bottleneck. And other than that, it's Labor Day weekend, folks. I'm having a hard time processing that. It seems like it should be at least two more weeks from now. Mm. It seems like Labor Day weekend should not be this weekend. Somebody should look into that. In the meantime, happy Labor Day. Happy trails? At Jimmy Seleski, at Eric Blazer. Happy band practice, guys. Happy band practice at Kneehouse98. Get him to react if he has an account and follow him. At Johnny Brisket. Yes. At Sophomore MD. And of course, and as always, at LFTS Podcast across the board. Till next time. Peace. Peace.